The opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and host and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Topeka Capital Journal, CJ Online, or Morris Communications. It's time for Jim Cates at CJ Online. News, opinion, interviews, and community conversation, live and online. Join Jim and his guests by calling 295-1150 or emailing jim.cates at cjonline.com. And now, from the Topeka Capital Journal and cjonline.com, here's the Dean of Talk Radio in Topeka, Jim Cates. Good morning, Topeka. The Christmas season right around the corner, and this is Gift Certificate Time. You know Bob Archer, uh, Jeremiah Bullfrogs, they've got gift certificates. If you're looking for a nice romantic evening to they're meet your wife. And, they're in District 7. Yeah, uh, they are in District 7. You can catch a ball game and have a nice romantic evening at Jeremiah Bullfrog. It's a great place. They've got gift certificates. Golden Corral, they've got gift certificates as well. Mm-hmm. You can take your wife out to the Golden Corral, 16th and Wanamaker, let her graze for a couple of hours. And all she can eat. I mean, she will not leave there hungry. So another great idea. Or... How about a gift certificate from Coop the Plumber? Now, what could be more unique than that? I mean, it would be a gift that your wife would remember for a long time, huh? And would never let you forget. Absolutely. Well, see, that's huh? that's the advantage of taking a look at a gift certificate from Cooper Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, 267-4100. And again, if that stool clogs up, your wife can get on the phone and say, Come out, fix my clogged stool. I have a gift certificate from my loving husband. So, what could be better? Hmm? Three great ideas, and we're 45 seconds into the show, and we've already come up with three wonderful ideas. Well, before this hour is over, we'll have more great ideas, I'm sure. Because we're going to be talking about what's going on in the city of Topeka. City Councilman Bob Archer is my guest. Represents District Number 7, which is Southwest Topeka. And you are the fifth person to hold that seat. I was just looking at that list earlier. District 7, uh, da, 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 1, 2, 3, 4. You're the fifth person yep. to hold the seat. Yep. Yeah, District uh, number 5 and District 3. That's where the heavy turnover has been. Yeah, this district's been represented by seven people since we created our city wow. council back in the 80s. But. Uh, District 7, a little more stability as far as turnover, I right. suppose. Right. We're delighted you're there. Thank you, Jim, and, and thanks for, for having me on the show again. I, I'm uh, excited and glad to be here. Well, I think you do a great job for the city. I'm, I'm delighted to have you. A lot Thank to talk about today. Thank you, Jim. But, you know, before we get into that, uh, can you tell me where you would find – well, let me pick one here. Pick a good one. Palu, P-A-L-A-U, on the world map. You ever been there? No. You ever heard of it? Uh, no. It sounds like it would be near the Fiji Islands. Um, Not bad. Pretty good. Well, let's just try another one then, since you're on a roll here. How about, I can't pronounce some of these. Eritrea? No, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that one. Uh, let's see. Latvia? That's yeah, yeah, that's Eastern European country, yeah. I think. Where I'm going with this. Those are two of 103 countries. By the way, we have 160, 190 countries on the face of this planet. And since 1960, we have created 103 new countries. We talk about world stability. <laughs> yeah. 
That's Not hardly. That's interesting. Yeah, 103 new countries that have been formed since 1960. That's 50 years. That's over half of the countries in the world mm-hmm. are new. Wow. Isn't that something? That's that is. Amazing. That's fascinating. Yeah, well, I don't know how fascinating it is, but it kills a few minutes. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're awful <laughs> chipper this morning, Jim. <laughs> but just looking at this map, I mean, there's countries that, A, I've never heard of, and, B, I wouldn't begin to attempt to pronounce them. So, interesting. It is interesting. You betcha. Well, a lot of things uh, are going on at City Hall that are rather interesting. I want to talk about... Uh, a proposal that Karen Heller came up with a week and a half ago, and Karen's a fairly regular guest on the show, and I've known Karen forever uh, when she headed up, uh, well, her previous occupation, which she did, did a great job, consumer credit counseling. She helped a lot of people over the 30 years of her involvement there. And uh, obviously consumer credit counseling deals with indebtedness, trying to get individuals out of debt. Well, apparently that's what Councilwoman Hiller is attempting to do with the city of Topeka, that she came up with a proposal that over the next 30 years, if everybody were to follow Karen Hiller's guidelines, the city of Topeka would no longer be in debt. We would be debt-free, as Dave Ramsey would say. On the surface... You know, as a fiscal conservative, I sure like the sound of this. Practically speaking, now you're the accountant, you're the fiscal conservative on the city council. Practically speaking, is this doable? Is it workable? That's a real good question. We back up again uh, a little bit. A year ago, we determined in the debt management policy that we wanted to reduce our geo bonded debt. Uh, as, as a city council, and what we did was we said we're not going to issue any more than $9 million a year in geo bonded debt. Uh-huh. Uh, and we're going to retire on average about $10 million. So we're, we're going to get to, you know, zero debt for the city, but it's going to take over 100 years, and you and I probably won't live to see it. Uh, so. That's it, 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 probably uh, right there. Yeah, yeah. but on average, yeah. uh, we were going to issue uh, uh, no more than $9 million and uh, on average re- uh, deliver or reduce by $10 million. Some years it's going to be higher. This year, for example, I yeah. think we're going to retire about 17 or $18 million of debt. Wow. So, uh, you know, it, it, last year we decided that we wanted to reduce the, the amount of geo-bonded debt. Uh, Councilmember Hiller has come up with an idea to fast track that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, Karen Hiller is a big thinker. She, you know, has the big ideas and uh, the blockbuster ideas a lot of times, and this was one of them. And uh, so she presented at a work session on Tuesday night uh, a way or a framework to become uh, debt-free. And uh, she talked about, uh, you know, the good parts of it would be to save money, the public would be happy, uh, no more paying interest, which is almost twice the cost of, of uh, the, the total debt. Uh, the tough parts were, you know, the will of elected officials, the public will, uh, where to get the money, uh, ups and downs of the economy, and ups and downs uh, of needs of the city. 
she po uh, proposed some possible strategies to, to make the transition. Uh, one was a quarter cent sales tax increase, which would generate about $6 million. Uh, one was a quarter cent sales tax starting when the countywide uh, road tax drops uh, in 2017. And one was, uh, you know, obviously property tax increases um, to the tune of six mills. Not good. Not, not good. Not good. Not good. <laughs> not good at all. Uh, and, and so, well, Bob, that, that, that was sort of the, the overview of, of her proposal. And so, so the, conceptually, it's a great idea. And uh, I think I mentioned that to, to Karen the other night. Conceptually, it's a great idea. But instead of increasing taxes, why don't we reduce spending? That you know, as a fiscal conservative, why don't we reduce uh, spending to to generate that? So uh, that was sort of the the uh, getting into the details and the weeds of the proposal, as we had an, uh, you know one side to to increase taxes and then. Uh, Council Member uh, Wolfel and Alcala agree. You know, mm -hmm. why can't we reduce spending uh, to uh, do the same thing? So, because John and Jack both are somewhat right of center when it right. comes to spending issues. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're exactly. Reasonable fiscal conservatives, both. Yeah. Exactly. And so th that was, yeah. you know, that side was why can't we reduce spending? On the other hand, uh, we could we could embark on this program, reduce spending, increase taxes to pay off the debt, or a combination, um, another city council comes on board the middle of next year and says, you know, those guys are nuts. We don't want to do this. As a matter of fact, we want to double the amount of, of geo-bonding we, we well, can issue. Well, Councilman Bob Archer, that was one of the questions I had. A, you know, when Karen initially announced this, you know, I was excited about it until she said, let's increase taxes right. to reduce the, right. the size of government. To me, that's a little disingenuous. I don't care for that at all. I think we've had enough, quite enough sales tax increases in this community. And uh, property tax, that's like fingernails on a blackboard to me. But, but again, I appreciate the fact that Karen's thinking outside of the box. But my big question, and I think you just answered it, you know, Karen came up with this 30-year plan, how to do this, right. how to implement, uh, basically getting this city debt-free. But there is no way that you can structure an ordinance, is there, that would be binding on future elected officials? No, In other words, she can come up with this, and you all can act on it, and now we've got this 30-year plan. But as you say, next May, this could all change. It could all go out the window. And especially now, if we've enacted another sales tax increase or if we've raised property taxes, that tax is never going to go away. There's no temporary tax out there. And now we've got dug ourselves into a deeper hole. So even though on the surface, Karen's plan sounds good, and I appreciate the fact that she's thinking outside of the box. I do but this is just... I'm glad you and I agree on this because I looked at it as unworkable once you get into the details. Yeah, it, it's the details that, that uh, are the killer. Um, and if you if you look at increasing sales tax by a quarter of a percent, that means that we're over 10 percent for yeah. sales tax for the city of Topeka, and that's like California, New York style sales tax. Yeah. Uh, if we if we increase property taxes, and I mentioned this to Karen, uh, by six mills, for example, uh, was, was in her proposal, 
the the thing is she indicated that well that's only seventy two dollars for the typical hundred thousand dollar home mm-hmm. in Topeka. And I said, yeah, that's correct, but what you, what you don't uh, take into consideration is that property tax increases affect cars, boats, motorhomes, motorcycles, all personal property, mm-hmm. as well as real estate. Another thing that, that this mm-hmm. uh, hypothetical $100,000 house uh, doesn't look at is commercial real estate. And commercial, the assessment rate on commercial is 0.25. It's it's Point one one five zero for you know residential, but for commercial, it's over twice as much. So we're you know we're socking it to our businesses and community and in our community. So those those are some of the things that we need to think about before we ever increase taxes, uh, sales tax or property tax. Well, I, I think, in, in my opinion, we're just taxed enough at this point. We Good don't need you. to be we don't need to be increasing taxes on anybody for any reason. Good for you. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, so it sounds like this idea is DOA because three of you have spoken out against it. Anybody out there that's really in favor of it that wants to see this thing move forward? Well, I, uh, and again, Karen, I think, just threw the proposal out there yeah. for discussion, but is anybody going to really run with this now? I think Karen will. I think Karen will follow up and and take the feedback she got, uh, you know, the other night and, yeah. and try to make it more acceptable uh, because I think there's support for it. It's just, you know, maybe the, the time frame is, is too uh, quick. Um, you know, the, the way to fund it and the way to take care of it is, is uh, uh, you know, should be stretched out more than the 30 or 40 years. Uh, but uh, I think Karen will, will uh, take a look at it, take the feedback that she got at the work session, yeah. and rework it or, you know, just say it, it, it won't work. Yeah. Well, Councilman Archer, of course, you're aware of this. Uh, and if you're a new listener to the show, you might not have ever heard me say this before. But Lord knows I've said it enough over the past 14 years that if we're talking about tax decreases, there is no such thing, folks, as a tax decrease if government is increasing spending. It, we hear a lot about tax cuts and tax decreases. There's no such thing. You know, it, we're being sold a bill of goods by the media when they're talking about decreasing your taxes, and we see government spending going up by 10%. Folks, just apply a little common logic to this. If government's increasing spending by 10%, they're going to come to you, and they're going to come to me, and they're going to want that 10% increase somehow, some way. It's, <laughs> it's going to be... Some obscure tax on your utility bill. Somehow, some way, you're going to make up that 10% increase in government spending. And Bob Archer, you nailed it when you said, if we're truly going to reduce taxes, we have to reduce government spending. Mm-hmm. If government spending goes down, our taxes automatically will follow. <laughs> it's just <laughs> economics 101. Well, and, and that's true. What what's kind of in the city level? What's kind of saved us? In the in the past has been, you know, we've been able to keep the mill levy constant, but the assessed value of property in the county has grown. So we haven't had to increase taxes, but we still got a lot. I mean, we kept spending, 
because uh, with with the increase in the assessed value, we got more money even with the same uh, you know the same mill levy rate. Mm-hmm. And so now that uh, the property values have have plateaued, and mm-hmm. that uh, and keeping the mill levy the same, that's going to really uh, challenge us to run an efficient and effective government uh, operation to keep from from increasing the mill levy. Okay, uh, Councilman Bob Archer is my guest, and if you want to email me, jim.cates at cjonline.com. I just got an email from John Arnold, and he is having trouble picking us up. Folks, if you're having difficulty as well, uh, let me know, and we'll get it taken care of. I don't know what the problem is. Everything is working fine, and they've got it on downstairs. If something's not working, believe you me, there would be somebody <laughs> up here. <laughs> so, John, uh, well, you can't hear me say this, but uh, you need to try again. In fact, I'm just emailing the little rascal. So, well, okay. well, let me say one thing, Jim. No matter what happens with this proposal, I think Karen Hiller needs to be recognized and complimented. Uh, for for taking on big issues, for thinking big, for uh, looking uh, into the future for our city and, and where we want to be 10 years and 20 years and 30 years down down the road. Uh, Karen is a hard worker, and uh, I, I wanted to make sure we compliment her. Whether, whether this works out at all, whether yep. anything happens, she needs to be complimented uh, because she, she works hard and uh, thinks uh, about the city and, and is really a good public servant. So I did want to say that. Yeah, hard uh, worker. And oh again, yeah. You know, I have Karen on the show because I like her. Mm-hmm. And uh, Karen and I don't always agree on the solutions right. to problems, but uh, she certainly is well-meaning, well-intentioned, intelligent, and works hard. So. And you have you to re- ask, you, and you respect her, and she respects you, and I, I really like that about Karen. You bet. Since we're talking about Karen, let's talk about something that's going on in her district. Uh, I guess it's going on. I don't know where we stand on all of this. And that's downtown renovation. You know, I'm sure if my grandchildren ever were to go into talk radio in Topeka, they're going to be talking about downtown revitalization, I'm sure, 40 years down the road hosting the show. Right. Uh, It's one of these things that's just never-ending. Rick Anderson, and I've talked about Rick I don't know how many times on the air since the last, well, twice. I've been on two shows. But Rick had something in one of his columns a week and a half ago that pretty much summed it up. The Lawrence Journal World conducted an informal survey of shoppers in Lawrence. What Lawrence wanted. Well, what what Lawrence wants, they want a Toys R Us. They want a Home Depot. They want an Olive Garden. They want a Red Lobster. They want a Kmart. They want what Topeka now has on Wanamaker. Mm-hmm. Now, what does Topeka want? Well, we want a downtown area like Lawrence's. Why can't we be happy with what we've got? You know, we've got everything under the sun in Topeka, Kansas right mm-hmm. now. You know, for Christmas shopping, Lawrence is a beautiful community. But that is the most disjointed community if you're trying to find something to buy. There's no centralized shopping area in Lawrence. It's a mess. The shopping, the commercial district in Lawrence is a mess. It's true. If you're going Christmas shopping and you live in Lawrence, you're either going to go to the Oak Park Mall in Johnson County or you're going to come west and you're going to hit the Wanamaker Corridor in Topeka. That's true. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And we want to be like Lawrence. (laughs) Now, Lawrence's solutions, 
if Lawrence gets a red lo red lobster, if they get an olive garden, if they get a Home Depot, if they get a Toys R Us, this is going to be the private sector that's going to do it. Hmm. Unfortunately, what Topeka wants is to create a downtown area like Lawrence at taxpayer expense. Seven million dollars is this figure that keeps getting tossed around. Downtown revitalization. Where are we headed with this? The latest, and I know you made a statement the other day at a council meeting that, you know, the seven million dollars that we're setting aside, should we really do this? Give us an update on where this whole downtown renovation sure. stands. Um, as you know, the, there's been a core group of people, and I think Rick Anderson is one, uh, that has worked on the concept of, of revitalizing downtown. Uh, it's called the Capital District Project. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we owe an, a, a bit of gratitude and applause for the people that have worked on the Capital District Project, uh, including Rick Anderson, William Batetta of Heartland Visioning, uh, Scott Gales, Mike Morris, Elisa, uh, she, all of the people that, that have been involved in this, uh, you know, they've been working for free and they're doing it with the best interest of Topeka, uh, in mind. Uh, and it's been a grassroots effort. There's, there's been no government funding for it whatsoever. Um, a lot of the people that were in Think Big Topeka that are, that are working to get Google, uh, to come to Topeka, um, all those people, it's grassroots, uh, they're volunteering their time, they're working hard to look at the future of our city. And, and I applaud that and compliment them for doing so. And, and uh, no matter what happens, uh, uh, I think we need to, to uh, give them the, their due respect uh, that have worked on it. Tuesday night at city council meeting, there is going to be a presentation on what the ideas are or what the uh, game plan is for downtown Topeka, the Capital District Project. Uh, nobody's seen uh, or very few people have seen what the final product is going to look like. And so one, one thing I'd like to do is encourage people that uh, support the project, don't support the project, want to find out more about the project, uh, come to the city council meeting next Tuesday, December 14th. Starts at 6 o'clock. It's in the TPAC building. Okay, So I would encourage people to show up to learn about it, uh, to voice their support, voice their uh, opposition, whatever they want to do, but participate. So we're going to have a presentation on the 14th. As the CIP, the Capital Improvement Plan, stands right now, there's $7 million dedicated to the Capital District Project. $1 million in 2011, and then $2 million in each of 2012, 2013, and 2014. Total of $7 million dedicated to the project. Uh, and then we, we will be voting on the project, uh, voting on the CIP on December 21st. CIP. Yeah. For our listeners, what's a CIP? Capital Improvement Plan. Okay. It's, it's looking yeah. forward five years of where are we going to spend money that we're going to capitalize. In other words, big, long-term items. Okay. That's CIP. We were going to consider it this week in Tuesday night session, uh, but I made a motion that we defer it until December 21 because of 
the you know the the downtown redevelopment uh, presentation on the 14th and Karen Hiller's idea as far as debt free. I thought that may have an impact on the CIP. So uh, next Tuesday, uh, December 14th presentation, December 21st meeting, we're going to vote on the CIP. There are a lot of questions, I think, about the capital district project that I I have. Um, number number one is funding. Are there federal funds? that are going to be allocated? Are there state funds? Is Shawnee County going to play? Are there going to be private funds that are going to? Because the downtown redevelopments that I'm familiar with, the Davenports, the Oklahoma Cities, the Wichita's of the world, they're all private money driven. Wichita, their downtown redevelopment, five out of every six dollars that are going to go into that are private dollars. So I want to see uh, you know what kind of other funding we've got. I don't think it's I don't think it's proper for the the taxpayers of the city of Topeka to foot the whole bill if we're going to foot anything at all. But couldn't agree with you more. And uh, you know I took a drive down Kansas Avenue Monday when I got off the air because Tim Rencher and I were talking about again downtown Topeka. And I told him Monday I, before driving down Kansas Avenue I don't see anything wrong with downtown Topeka as far as the appearance of it. I think we've done a nice job with downtown Topeka. The only thing missing are tenants for the buildings. I mean, we've got empty store frontage, no doubt about that. Yeah. <coughs> well, if that's... I, I, I don't understand why we continue to beat this dead horse, you know, trying to get beer drinkers into downtown Topeka. Uh, I, it's just it's mystifying to me. You know, if we've got $7 million that we're going to spend... Let's dull it out in $10,000 increments. Come to us with a plan on a business you want to own, open in downtown Topeka. Fill that empty storefront with something. We'll front the first $10,000 on your lease payments. You know, then we've problem temporarily solved. Some of these businesses, I think, would actually take hold and become somewhat successful. <laughs> the key to downtown development, as you said, looking at the Wichita's and what have you, we've done the infrastructure work. Downtown Topeka looks good. Now we've just got to attract businesses. And if we're attracting businesses to downtown Topeka, why are we trying to attract somebody that's going to be at point one two when they leave downtown Topeka at 10 o'clock at night? Why don't we focus on downtown Topeka during the daylight hours? That's when we've got 20,000 workers down there. Yeah. You know, we keep talking about this nighttime entertainment, uh, and Topeka has a shortage of nighttime entertainment, I would agree. Right. But why downtown Topeka? Why not focus on, we've got 20, 25,000 people down here every day. Let's focus on the hours between 8 and 5. Why are we looking at that midnight shopper? Well, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned you drove down to Kansas Avenue uh, recently, and I did too, and... Um, when I worked at the federal building, uh, at the Coast Guard office, yeah. every day, uh, I would typically bring my lunch, eat, but I, uh, almost every day I would get out, walk down the avenue, get some exercise, mm -hmm. and when I drove down Kansas Avenue the other day, it looked better than I have seen it in the 25 years that I've been in Topeka, mm -hmm. uh, and when I used to wa walk there from the federal building every day. So, I'm not saying it can't get better, but it has improved, and it does. It is a lot better than than it's been uh, 
for years and years. Another thought is, yeah, we need businesses downtown to be successful. We need good businesses uh, that thrive. And one of the, the questions I have is when we, when we do this plan, do we, are the businesses that are already on Kansas Avenue, okay, are they going to be accommodated so that they can, 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 you know, can, they can survive during the transition to whatever we do? Because we know we're going to have to resurface streets and, and, and do other things. And I think it's important uh, that, that we have a, a strategy to where all the businesses that are downtown now will continue to, to uh, make money and they will continue to, to survive and thrive. Bob, I assume everybody's serving on these committees. They've got IQs. Uh, I guess above 70. Uh, but why is it that we keep talking about, you know, if we just convert downtown to pick it from four lanes to two lanes, this is going to increase business. Or if we take it down to three lanes and we just kind of make a, a curvature, a serpentine route, this is going to bring new business to downtown Topeka. We keep screwing around with the street in downtown Topeka. Right now it's straight as a string. It's pedestrian friendly. Why do we keep focusing on ripping up the street rather than getting somebody, you know, in these empty storefronts? And the frontage of downtown Topeka, as you say, it looks good. You know, I think the owners of the buildings in downtown Topeka have done a nice job, a pretty credible job, of keeping the store frontages looking good. Downtown Topeka visually looks fine. But now we're going to spend, I don't know how much of the $7 million is going to be spent, Screwing up the street somehow, some way. Just sure is <laughs> the sun's <laughs> rising in the east tomorrow. Yeah. That's where we're headed a year yeah. down the road. But yeah, and and again, I, I am concerned about the businesses that are down there surviving. I, we we're aware of what happened at 21st and Urish oh with the roundabout with our good friends that lost businesses there. And I think it's fine that you know the area there is finally coming back. But several of those businesses, and, and one of our favorites, uh, if you'll recall. Oh, Jill Bronaw at the Coffee Break yeah. Cafe. Coffee Break Cafe had to go out of business. So I want to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, we can't afford the successful businesses that we've got downtown to be, um, you know, sabotaged to where they don't continue to be successful. Looking at our nine members of the city council, uh, again, I'm just looking for that rational thought process. And I understand, you know, politics involved because there's going to be a tremendous amount of political pressure applied to all nine members of the city council to do something. Da downtown Topeka, just do something. Right. Uh, counting noses, are we going to see a reasonable plan of action, do you think? Well, I, are we going to <laughs> rip up Kansas Avenue once again, thinking uh, this is going to be our solution? I think we'll know more after next Tuesday's meeting when we actually see the, the presentation that comes before the city council. And I think if it's uh, a, a moderate plan that that can you know that can gain support, I, I'm pretty sure it'll pass. Now. If it's that it'll be included in the CIP, I don't think the CIP is going to change mm -hmm. the way it is right now. Unfortunately, it's not going to change, and the CIP is going to pass on December 21st. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Now, all the I the the other thing is that all the items in the CIP will come up for individual votes. Okay, 
even just because they're in the CIP does not mean they're going to be carried out. Okay, so the the capital district project will have to come up uh, next year or early, I imagine, and it will have to be uh, approved on an individual basis, just like everything else in the CIP. So that's the the thing to look at is after the CIP passes on December 21st. Now I'm confident that it will. Um, will that draw private, federal, state, county money to help with that project? Once the city makes a commitment, which which we're going to, I'm, I'm pretty sure, then will other money follow? And if it doesn't, I don't know that it, it passes when it comes up on an individual basis, but it may. Bob Archer is my guest. Uh, Jim.Kates at CJOnline.com. We need to take a break. Stay tuned. More to come. CJOnline.com has been upgraded, and it's an entirely new way for you to experience your community. More than ever, CJOnline.com has what you need when you need it. As your morning starts, CJOnline.com is updated with overnight news, weather, and the morning buzz. Throughout the day, they bring you developing stories, interaction, and commentary. In the evening, they recap the day in news and sports and feature their local bloggers. Experience the local news and sports at CJOnline.com. Your 24-7 Northeast Kansas news connection. Every three minutes, another woman gets the news that she has breast cancer. And here are some of the first words she hears. Her two new oncogene, aromatase inhibitor, ductile carcinoma in situ. What do these words mean? How are you going to decide what to do if you can't even say what you have? This is Olivia Newton-John. As soon as you get your diagnosis, you can go to breastcancer.org. It's a special place on the Internet where you can learn how to say all those breast cancer words and find out what they mean. At breastcancer.org, you can learn more about your particular kind of cancer and your treatment options. Prepare a list of questions for your next doctor's visit and get all kinds of other useful information to guide you and your family through this. Breastcancer.org, the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Are your medication costs spiraling out of control? Is Plan B really saving you any money once you reach the donut hole? For many of us, saving money on skyrocketing medication costs has become a vital way of controlling those tight monthly budgets. I'm Eric with Canada Drug. We're locally owned and operated, have been for over five years serving your friends and neighbors, helping them save thousands of dollars yearly on essential prescription medications. To find out how you can have more medication at the end of your month for less money, call us at Canada Drug today, 785-272-6100. Or visit us just east of Wanamaker on 17th, between Applebee's and McDonald's. Savings for everybody, we're Canada Drug. Canada Drug of Topeka, 272-6100. This is Risa with Lauer Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123. 
We're back with Jim Cates at CJOnline.com, your source for live Internet news, opinion, interviews, and conversation in Topeka. Here's Jim. Okay, one more gift suggestion, since uh, I don't know how many of you are going to take me up on the coupon, the plumber. Gift certificate, but it certainly would be a unique gift. Something that would be a little more traditional would be a gift certificate, or maybe uh, just a purchase at Brickhouse Antiques. They've got... 11 rooms of furniture, antiques, and collectibles out there. They've got everything known to man. In fact, if you're looking for uh, Christmas ornaments from the 40s, the 50s, well, even back to the 20s and 30s, they've got a lot of Christmas decorations that are antique Christmas decorations. So if you're looking for something really unique decorating your home, you might check with Brickhouse Antiques. They're located at uh, 37th and Burlingame. And it's just right east of District Number 7. Our City Council Member Bob Archer is with us today. And it's right off of I-470. Folks, uh, you can walk from I-470 to Brickhouse Antiques. You just hop off the interstate and you are there. So check it out. They're open seven days a week for your shopping pleasure. City Councilman Bob Archer is my guest. And uh, a lot to talk about, as always, with Bob. A lot going on. And this is uh, well, you're getting into the busy season taking a look at, uh, you know, the CIP, and we've talked about that, uh, some of the major expenditures coming down the pike for the city of Topeka, and uh, there are some there's some goodies on there, <laughs> I mean, some big-time yes. major expenditures. And it's tough for elected officials to say no, and I understand that having been an elected official because it's so much easier to say yes to everybody. That way you're well-liked. At the end of the day, you've got a new room full of friends. But if you keep saying no, just consistently say no, 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 it's a very lonely feeling at the end of the week when nobody's speaking to you. <laughs> just you've hacked <laughs> off everybody. And it's tough. It's tough being a fiscal conservative. But It is. It is. Yeah, and you are one. Uh, so you know uh, how tough it is. Because I don't think you've had anybody uh, since you've been on uh, as a city council member that's come to a city council meeting and said, hey, by the way, last year we got X number of dollars. Can you cut our funding next year? Have you had that request yet? Uh, no, I'm, I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a little over four years in the legislature. Nobody ever came in my office and said, hey, you know, you just gave us too much money last year. We yep. don't need all this money. Yeah. Why don't we give some of it back to the taxpayers? Uh, Never heard that. No, I'm I'm still waiting for that one, Jim. <laughs> You've got a long, long wait ahead of you. Taking a look at some of these major expenditures uh, coming down the pike. Uh, downtown Topeka is this the biggie? Seven million dollars. Yeah, it it is. Um, we've also uh, we're looking at uh, uh, seven million dollars in neighborhood infrastructure programs over the next five years. We, what does that we've mean? all We've all done well. It's just like the the um, infrastructure program that we did at Chesney Park and Ward Mead Park, and uh, initially that that was proposed to to take sales tax money, and uh, to to redo that. And and I sort of fought that and said that sales tax money wasn't for neighborhood improvements. It's for fixing potholes and fixing our streets. And so uh, you know we we took that sales tax money out of that but uh, yeah it's for projects um, to upgrade neighborhoods and um, you know again if we're upgrading neighborhoods and I'm glad you brought this one up 
the mayor was on the show a couple of weeks ago. And I know when the mayor was first elected, one of the three things that he wanted to accomplish by the time he left office was to make Topeka a cleaner community. Right. Beautify Topeka, clean up Topeka. Right. I guess. Uh, a statistic that I'm just shocked and amazed every time I utter these words is that 40% of the individuals living in Topeka are living in a rental unit. Mm-hmm. 40% of our housing is rental housing. 40%. Mm-hmm. You drive down the streets of Topeka, folks, four out of ten homes, four out of ten living units are rentals. Unfortunately, when you have a rental, you've got somebody in a living unit that really doesn't have a real hands-on interest in beautification. Uh, they're just looking at shelter. Renters, generally speaking, are looking for shelter. Right. Most renters are going to pretty much take care of the property. But unfortunately, we have a significant amount of renters that don't do that. And on top of that, we have landlords that do not take care of their property. You know, the majority of landlords are responsible individuals, but we have a significant minority of landlords in this community that don't take care of their property. Mm -hmm. We've got some real junkers out there, some homes that are embarrassments to the city. Right. What we don't have in the city of Topeka, you know, we're talking about a huge expenditure for neighborhood improvement, getting the private sector involved is a time that our city council gets serious about a strong Landlord and Tenants Act, to where yes. we can get serious about maybe hiring a couple of more code compliance officers, getting serious about cleaning some of these just horrible-looking uh, dwellings up. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. But... but Part of the problem, and, and you've, you've uh, hit on a, an important aspect of, of the neighborhood infrastructure programs. Uh, when, we, when we looked at Chesney Park and Ward Mead last year, or this year, earlier this year, what we found was that two-thirds of those properties are rental properties. And so I had a problem with spending tax money basically to fix up a lot of infrastructure and properties that would benefit uh, landlords and private real estate investors. Um, you know, not, not the, the neighbor that, that owns a house and then the house next door to him buys, fix it up and everything, but I'm talking about uh, landlords that own 10, 15, 20 properties in a neighborhood and then pushed for us to spend, uh, you know, tax dollars in those neighborhoods. I had a problem with that. Good for you. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I had a real problem with that. I had a problem with paying to do uh, sidewalks for free in neighborhoods when other neighborhoods, it's a 50-50 program. The homeowner has to pay half of the expense to have their sidewalks done. I don't think it's right to put a new sidewalk in for anybody if, if uh, you know they're not going to participate in paying for it. The other thing was that, uh, you know, alleys, we were paying infrastructure money to repave alleyways. Uh, my wife, Marg, and I drove all the streets that we were redoing. We drove all of the alleyways that were, you know, that were going to be repaved. And to be honest with you, they weren't that bad. They weren't that bad. And we're, I think we're spending a lot of money. Um, in in the neighborhood infrastructure program that's not justified. And that's just my opinion. Yeah. 
Well, Allie's, uh, we talked about this, I think, oh, a few months ago when you were on the show. Yeah. Out of our nine council districts, we probably have four council districts that doesn't have an alley. Yeah. You don't have an alley in no. District 7. No. Uh, Jeff Preisner wouldn't have an alley in his district. Uh, Wolgast wouldn't have many in his, I, don't think I so. wouldn't think. I don't, and Wolfel, I don't think, would have Jack any Jack would be another one. Yeah, uh, Jack Wolfel wouldn't yeah. have any alleys. So you've got four of you who don't have alleys. Yeah. So, But, you know, again, if, if we had this strong Landlords and Tenants Act forcing landlords to keep their properties up, mm -hmm. then we're talking about private sector money. That's right. We're not talking about tax dollars going into these neighborhoods, that's cleaning correct. these neighborhoods yeah, up. That's correct. We're talking about, you know, a strong city enforcement of what we have uh, on the books now in terms of codes, but with some teeth in it where we can really go after some of these slumlords. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I Why agree. hasn't this passed? What, where's the stumbling block as far as coming up with something that really has teeth in it? Now, Manhattan has a very, very strong Landlords and Tenants Act. Manhattan's a pretty clean-looking town, Yeah. As partially as a result of what they've done in terms of a Landlord-Tenants Act, because Manhattan obviously has a tremendous number of rental units, uh -huh. being a military and a college Right, town. exactly. Yeah. Why has the city council struggled with this? Why can't... Where's the opposition coming from? Yeah, that's a good uh, question. I, uh, and I don't know if it would be real estate investors that have, have stymied us, you know, doing what we should probably do and, and relook at the landlord-tenant and, and strengthen it. Um, but I, I, I really don't know. It's a good question. That's a good question that I will look into. Yeah, because I certainly think there's some need for room for improvement in that area. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, the mayor and I touched on this when he was on the show a week and a half or so ago. You know, just looking at ways, Councilman Archer, to where we can clean up this community, make the community a little bit better, not at taxpayer expense. Yeah. That would certainly and, be and that's, and again, uh, in looking back over the, the votes on Chesney Park and Ward Mead Park, that's the problem I have. And it's, it's a tough thing to do, uh, in my opinion, to spend city public dollars when there's going to be enrichment of private real estate investors. I, you know, I just have a, a conflict with that. I just don't know that that's, that's a proper thing that we ought to be doing. Yeah. And, you know, going in and helping a homeowner in these neighborhoods, if the houses on both sides of this homeowner that is trying to keep his or her property up, mm -hmm. you know, if they're in a state of disarray, what have you, it really doesn't do much good <laughs> to right. improve the home that's surrounded by junkers. Well, uh, we've got to deal with the junkers. Yeah. That's true, and, and, and the thing that I, I found interesting, because I did a lot of research in, in this, was that uh, one of the goals of spending tax money uh, to improve neighborhoods is to bring up the property values so that they pay more, you know, property tax. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that, that the research I did showed that where we had gone into neighborhoods and spent millions of dollars, the property values didn't go up. Any more than the rest of the city. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Bob, we need to take a break. Stay tuned, folks. More to come. City Councilman Bob Archer is my guest.
CJOnline.com has been upgraded, and it's an entirely new way for you to experience your community. More than ever, CJOnline.com has what you need when you need it. As your morning starts, CJOnline.com is updated with overnight news, weather, and the morning buzz. Throughout the day, they bring you developing stories, interaction, and commentary. In the evening, they recap the day in news and sports and feature their local bloggers. Experience local news and sports at CJOnline.com. Your 24-7 Northeast Kansas News Connection. Topeka Collegiate, Topeka's only independent school, treats every child as gifted. Each student is encouraged to excel in a caring, small class learning environment guided by humanitarian principles. At Topeka Collegiate, children fall in love with learning. Enrollment is limited. Call 228-0490 or visit our website at topekacollegiate.org. Topeka Collegiate School, educating children for life. Excuse me, why are you saving those old eyeglasses? You know the ones, stuck away in the desk drawer, haven't been worn in years. Yeah, those. You should donate them to your local Lions Club. Lions Clubs have been collecting used eyeglasses for years. They'll take your old eyeglasses and recycle them for someone in need of proper eyewear. Call your local Lions Club for information on where you can donate your old eyeglasses. Lions Clubs International. We serve. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. We're back with Jim Cates at CJOnline.com, your source for live Internet news, opinion, interviews, and conversation in Topeka. Here's Jim. Okay, we are back. Downtown Antique and Collectibles Mall, since we were talking about downtown Topeka. Well, 5th and Harrison, that's downtown, kind of. Yeah. Now, walking distance of downtown Topeka. Well, folks, there's a rather unique store. It's on the southeast corner of 5th and Harrison. Three stories. I mean, they have got everything known to man. In, the, uh, in their store, had a lot of gently used items. And, uh, folks, if you're looking for virtually anything, just anything, you've got to check out the downtown Antique and Collectibles Mall. If you're a collector, if you're a bell collector, if you're collecting anything, you can probably find it at 5th and Harrison. Now, another neat thing about uh, the downtown antique and collectibles mall, if you're looking for a little Christmas cache, well, if you've got anything unwanted that you're no longer using at home, if it's in good uh, good state of repair, good condition, and if it's potentially saleable, you can take it to the downtown antique and collectibles mall. They'll place that item in their store for you on consignment, so when your item sells, you get a check. Hmm? Can't get any better than that. So, folks, check it out. Fifth and Harrison. Again, they're open seven days a week. The Downtown Antique and Collectibles Mall. Check them out. City Councilman Bob Archer is my guest. And, as always, there's just a lot to talk about. You know, Tim Rencher and I talk about City Hall and courthouse issues every Monday on the show. Tim has just been a godsend on this show. And so much of what we're talking about now, we've 
covered with Tim. But Tim, you know, has been on the show now for two years. I'm not sure Tim's ever offered an opinion on anything. He's <laughs> very, very, very careful to do that. You know, if there's such a thing as an objective reporter, and there is, mm-hmm. Tim Richard would be it. You know, he's just, uh, I'll tell you, he's as good as it gets. I agree. Yeah, because he's so fair, so balanced. He's he's a dandy. One of the things we talked about last Monday we touched on was College Hill. Mm-hmm. Where are we headed with this whole College Hill development? What's next? And I'll just ask my follow-up question now. Worst case scenario, what's this going to cost the city of Topeka? Worst case scenario, how bad can it get? Yeah, well, as you know, we, we've guaranteed quite a bit of, of bonding there. Um, I think the uh, low-income housing discussion that, that we had had before with the, the uh, people in Wichita wanting to convert it into, I think it's, what, Section 42 mm-hmm. um, property there, the, the townhomes. The last I saw was that that was not going to be approved. It has to be approved. It's turned at the, down. Yeah, it's turned down. We've got too much housing. We've already got too much um, property in, in there. And there's an oversupply. And so there, that sounds like that's a dead issue, at least for now. Uh, I don't know that that, that status is going to change uh, within the next year, two years. Um, so we're we're pretty much on the hook. Um, pretty much, you know, and the thing concerns me, now that that horse is out of the barn, where we're talking about, you know, subsidized housing, turning College Hill into subsidized housing, mm-hmm. it's going to be awful tough to go back to the public now and say, hey, we were just joking. We really didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> we still have these $200,000 condos for sale. <laughs> well, we could, you know. Where well, do you go? Well, we could just uh, put them on the market and sell them for what the market would bear and just get out of that, you know, get out of that business altogether. Um, I don't know what, what they would sell for, but it would be a whole lot less than 200000 It may be a hundred. It may be $120,000 completed. But whatever it is, I've heard a lot of people say, bite the bullet. Uh, put them at market value, get what we can out of them, and then you know, just just uh, cut our losses and and uh, you know, lesson learned. Don't do that again, and uh, you know, go from there. Yeah, yeah. You know, College Hill. It's it's easy to Monday morning quarterback, but yeah. You know, the whole idea seemed to be a little bit goofy to me from the get-go to where you were looking at buying a two hundred thousand dollar condo that was overlooking the hood. You know, it just uh, right. that's not what I consider scenic beauty. Uh, I, don't, well, I, I don't know. I, and again, it's it's easy to say I told you so. It is. It, that's real easy to, to, yeah. to do the, the hindsight thing. But one of the things that I've learned is that uh, when, when we go to spend money, there's not enough documentation and justification of the expenditure. I remember when uh, we had when we were talking about the uh, the roundabout at 29th and Urish, uh, we got a fact sheet that said nothing. So I asked uh, I asked Mike Tepley, where is the cost benefit? Where's the cost justification of doing this project? And he wrote and basically said there is none. And I said, well, I'd like to see something when we're spending, you know, that kind of money or any money 
So he, a couple of weeks later, he came back with a really, really well done analysis of you know all the benefits of going to the to the roundabout, mm-hmm. uh, all the things that were involved. It was very well done. Saw him uh, the following week at the council meeting, and I said, "Thank you for the analysis, Mike. I really appreciate it. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to me." And he said, "Well, thank you for asking." He said, "Actually." Nobody has ever asked a question like that before. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's amazing, isn't it? Well, uh, another example, we had Parks and Rec, and uh, the last CIP wanted to spend $600,000 upgrading a ball field. And the justification on the fact sheet was that Parks and Rec has wanted to do this for a number of years. That was it. That was it. Yeah. That was it. There, was, there was no discussion of attendance, usage. Uh, cost benefit. There was nothing like that, well, and so and so I can understand how you know uh, College Hill and some other things uh, happen. We just haven't been given enough information to make. Right information. Yeah, it's called decision making by fact. Yeah. Well, Helen Hawker is another one. And again, I'm not knocking Helen Hawker folks, but I think there were, there were so many options for Helen Hawker uh-huh. other than. A thousand square foot expansion to their building that cost the taxpayers a half a million dollars. That's five hundred dollars a foot. That's right. Uh, that's ridiculous. You know, and Helen Hawker with the Discovery Center. Helen Hawker and the Discovery Center. That would have been a great partnership for Helen Hawker to have moved into the new Discovery Center. Mm-hmm. Helen Hawker moving into Civic Theater within walking distance would have been a great option. What do we do? Well, we're going to block expansion of our zoo because the zoo's anchored by the Helen Hawker Theater. Mm-hmm. On the uh, on the south side, and we spent a half a million dollars for an office space for a theater that caters to maybe 400 people in this community. Yeah. Uh, it, it's insane. Speaking of insane, good morning. Good morning, Jim. It's John. John, how are you doing? Doing okay. Can't get my computer to work to pick you up, though. Really? That's Tried two different computers several times. Yeah. Well, well, that's not good. That's yeah. not good. No, we're. We're doing fine. We're on, and uh, good. Everybody else is picking us up. Earl Glenn's going to be joining us in a few minutes. He just walked in. Good. Okay, um, John, we'll put you on hold. Sure. All right. And City Councilman Bob Archer is my guest. So, Bob, again, worst case scenario on College Hill. If it goes belly up, now College Hill is under a limited liability corporation. LLC. That's right. LLC, which means that the owners of College Hill, if this thing goes belly up. They're really not responsible. They're off the hook because of the LLC that's set up. Is that right? Yeah, that's the way a li- limited liability corporation works. Is there's no personal liability for the for the members of the LLC. So we've co-signed the loan, and if the loan goes bad, they're really they're going to come to the co-signers for payment because the owners are protected with an LLC. Why did we? Is this standard operating procedure? When a development like this comes into the community, we allow them to set up a LLC, which means absolutely nothing as far as taxpayer protection, correct? Yeah, that's that's correct. I don't know. I don't know if that's standard uh, for the city of Topeka or most cities. I really don't. Uh, how that financing and how that operation is, I really don't know if LLCs are the the predominant way that, that that's established. Yeah, if I was coming to the city and wanted money, I would certainly want to be protected by an LLC. You know, give me $5 million and I'm going to go out and develop this and that. If this project doesn't work, 
Yeah. It's, Don't come to me for payments. Yeah, no, it's, it's I am protected. <laughs> it is it it's taking the risk off of the individuals. Sure. And there shifting is no risk. Uh, yeah, and shifting the risk to the property ta- and it really it's property taxpayers of Topeka that have the risk. Sure. So So the developers of College Hill had no risk whatsoever. The thing they needed to do was to make a great sales presentation. And once that was done, they were off the hook. I mean they have no money involved in this whatsoever. Well, now, Jim, can I jump in? Sure. Well, uh, aren't we just talking about the tax increment financing monies, not the total financing for the development? Right. Yeah, because they've got they've got twenty million or twenty five million in in their own money in it, and the city just says five million or so in the tax increment. Right. Is that right, Bob? Yeah, that's that's correct. But that's uh, really, I think that's loan money. I don't think that's. Uh, I think that's mortgage money from Core First, from what I recall, John. Probably, probably is uh, at least eighty uh, percent or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think uh, I think that is. Yeah, but but, but yeah, the, the city's exposure is in the four to five million dollar range. There you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, but if you take a bank that's loaning money to a limited liability corporation, the bank really has nothing to fall back on, do they? If the LLC goes belly up. I don't know how how that operates. I would imagine that, John, that there's some collateral. Uh, I I would assume that that uh, lending it. Of course, when the money was lent, it was years and years ago, several years ago, uh, when it was a go-go time for banks and and financial institutions to be lending money. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, maybe the underwriting standards at that time weren't as high as they should be. I I don't know. And the individuals may Bob and Jim have individual lines of credit with banks so that they uh, have whatever personal collateral they have backs that line of credit and whether they're in an LLC or not the bank may well be protected okay. but I think I think Bob's right about the LLC for the city on the tax increment financing many cities now when they enter into a tax increment financing thing and I've done this myself in other places uh, required that the individuals uh, the corporation first pay back the tax increment financing and then the individuals in the corporation pay back. And uh, that's part of the deal if the tax increment uh, isn't generated enough to pay the bonds because the city doesn't want to be on the hook. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bob, one last question. Sure. Uh, let's get into the $2.5 million that the county s- still has retained, is retaining, the money isn't officially shifted over to the city until March. Talking about motor fuel tax? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Miller's, yeah, brainchild. Where do we stand all, on all of this? Where is it headed? What's the latest on this $2.1 million? Well, the latest, as far as I know, is that the city of Topeka is going to get the motor fuels tax money. That the county commission voted 2 to 1 to, uh, you know, undo the ordinance that they passed, uh, you know, withholding the, the motor fuels tax. So unless it comes up again, and I don't know that it will, uh, we're, the city's going to get uh, the $1.9 million that, in motor fuels tax that we've got. Okay. Uh, is the city doing anything to protect itself in the future? Because we have Commissioner Miller sitting out there. God knows what's next. But uh, <laughs> anything to protect the city in the future for a Vic, from a Vic Miller attack on this? On the motor fuels tax, I know that... Uh, 
Whitney Dameron, our the city's uh-huh. lobbyist, is to work with the the uh, local delegation to make sure that there's there's language that comes up that protects us from that in the future. Or at least there's there's an effort to do that. I, I know that for a fact. One last topic. Sure. I don't know how long, much longer I'm going to be doing this show. Uh, so I'll get one last shot in. Okay. <laughs> as far as uh, passenger air service out of Forbes. We had Peter Van Curren on the show about a month ago. He's the executive director of the Manhattan Regional Airport. Uh-huh. And we were talking about the fact that they've got three flights a day now leaving Manhattan going to Dallas, 80% full, by the way. They just started their Chicago flights uh, November the 18th. was the first flight nonstop to Chicago. Full, sold out for the first two weeks. And Topeka, here we sit uh, with nothing, absolutely nothing. We got into Manhattan and how they basically orchestrated a game plan to where they could attract regional airlines uh, coming into Manhattan. Well, A, they did what Wichita did. Uh, the Wichita legislative delegation and the Manhattan legislative delegation, they went to the state of Kansas said, we need help. Mm-hmm. Well, Kansas is flush with money. We never say no to anybody, and we certainly didn't say no to Wichita and didn't say no to Manhattan. What the state of Kansas agreed to do was to give Manhattan $2 million that they could possibly use uh, to guarantee to this air carrier, whoever was coming in, that if X number of seats weren't filled, the state of Kansas would, in effect, make up the difference. Well, Manhattan never had to tap into this fund. So they never used the $2 million of state mm-hmm. money. Okay. Where I'm going with this, and I've had two legislators on the show since, I've talked to a couple more, and I've asked the question, in all of your years in the legislature, has anybody from the city of Topeka or Shawnee County ever come to you and said, hey, how about next year you go to the legislature and carry the mail on trying to get some money coming in to Topeka? If Wichita is getting it, if Manhattan's getting it, why aren't we asking for the same help in hopes of attracting some carrier that's going to take the pick in somewhere? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why haven't we done this? Um, that's a good question. I, number one, I know that that's not on our legislative agenda for 2011. I know it isn't it's not. It's not on there. Uh, well, it should be. It, the pro- Jim, I, but fundamentally, the problem would be that Topeka is 45 minutes away from KCI. Manhattan is two and a half hours away from KCI, and that's that's what's hurt us, I think. Um, okay, Bob, let me throw some cold water on that. Okay, I think. you're right. You know, Manhattan farther away from Kansas City than Topeka. If Topeka would have been as aggressive as Manhattan, attracting this Topeka to Dallas nonstop, now you've got 120 people a day boarding a plane in Manhattan. Where would they go to board a plane if they wanted to go to Dallas? Would they drive right through Topeka on the way to KCI, or possibly would they stop here and board that plane? In other words, 120 people are going somewhere. Yeah, that, uh, no, going that's, to Dallas that, from somewhere. That's true. Remember Allegiant Airlines? Yes. And I remember several years ago, months. several years ago, had two, flights. had two flights to Las Vegas. Did it twice. Uh, yeah, uh, my wife and uh, went on that to, to visit her sister a couple of times, and and uh, I thought that was very successful. Wonderful. Uh, and I don't I don't know why that ever stopped, but 
Nobody knows the official story, but they were boarding, they were filling 80% of the seats. Uh, yeah. The Friday flight, 100% full. The Monday flight, 65, 70% full. Yeah. I was told by a leading official in this community six months before it happened that Allegiant is going to announce in the fall of, uh, I can't remember the year, that they're going to leave Topeka. It's going to be unexpected, but they are leaving. Yeah. And politics came into play. Yeah, uh, and I don't know all the details. We Allegiant the wrong way politically. Uh, okay. Well, I, di- I didn't know all the details about that. I do know that, that uh, there was good passenger occupancy on those flights. And... Uh, I, I don't know um, why they stopped, but if I... If your wife would have taken a look, she might have out in the parking lot, mm-hmm. which is free parking. Up. Yeah, well, free parking. Dollar, whether you park an hour or whether you park right. a day or a month or a year, you right. pay a dollar. And if you, to look at the license plates, when we flew Allegiant twice, I would say 25% of the plates might have been from Shawnee County. Then you had Raleigh County, Gary County, Marshall County. Well, uh, Buncey. And, the yeah. whole nine yards. Yeah. Uh, we had, there was a couple of... Uh, License plates from Nebraska, individuals from southeast Nebraska driving to Topeka to catch this flight to go to Las Vegas. Right. So the closeness, the proximity to Kansas City doesn't hold I don't think. <laughs> so, <laughs> we've used that as an excuse yeah. because the mayor, with all due respect, and I love Bill Button, Bill and I have had this conversation. Well, we're too close to Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's an excuse. I <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, and again, I guess I go back. This Peter Van Curen had nothing bad to say about Topeka. Very smooth individual, uh-huh. sharpest attack. But at the end of the hour, spending an hour with this guy on the air, he had such a positive, can-do attitude. Mm-hmm. There was no excuses for anything. What Manhattan was or wasn't doing. I mean, we'll accomplish it. You give us a goal, we'll accomplish it. Yeah. In Topeka, we come up with a hundred different reasons why this won't work, rather than two reasons why it could or will. And uh, it's a can-do rather than a can't-do attitude. I think. And, and again, with all due respect to Eric Johnson, he's done a good job as far as leasing space. Mm-hmm. Now Forbes and Billard, you know, we're 95% occupancy. He's done a great job. He's very accessible and a very nice person. But I just haven't seen that can do. Can do. Yeah. Okay. Attitude. So, for whatever that's worth. Bob, good to have you with us. Thank you, Jim. I, I always enjoy coming on, and it's it's. Uh, thank you again for having me. I well, really appreciate it. I appreciate you sitting here for the hour and letting me rant. <laughs> City Councilman Bob Archer, and he's one of my favorites, folks. You, Bob, does a wonderful job for the city. And he is what I consider a very reasonable fiscal conservative. He's always got his eye on the pocketbook and making sure that whatever we're doing government-wise, it's going to be cost-efficient, cost-effective. We cannot ask more of an elected official. And I hope bigger and better things might be in store for Councilman Archer someday. Let's hope. Okay, we have uh, joining us by phone John Arnold and Earl Glenn just walked in. Top stories of the week coming up. Stay tuned. I'm Jim Cates. Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design. We listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. 
Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs, and trees to everything your garden needs. Jackson says just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top of the line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lunor, Robert Mark, LA Eyeworks, Double Specs, House, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa Foss line. Located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear Unique. Eyewear for life. This is Risa with Lauer Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim. Okay, we're back. Again, uh, the Golden Corral folks, holiday food fair. They've got it all. They've got ham. They've got turkey. All the holiday fixings. They're on the buffet line along with all their traditional items. Folks, if you haven't tried the Golden Corral, this might be a good month to do it because, again, if you love holiday food fair, uh, you're going to love the Golden Corral, 16th and Wanamaker, right in front of the beautiful West Ridge Mall. Joining me by phone, again, good morning, John Arnold. Good morning, Jim. Earl. And Hi, John. Earl Glenn. Good morning, Jim. Good to have you both with us. Thanks. John, uh, Earl and I were visiting off-air on some of the top stories of the week, and uh-huh. I'm sure you're aware of this as well. The elections, well, they're not over yet. We've got four legislative races, four or five coming up, Earl, uh, over the next uh, least, week to ten days. Well, it's at least four, but then they could trickle. They could trigger some other ones. Yes, they could. In Kansas? In Kansas. Yes. Really? Well, we have one tomorrow, uh, John. If you want to go down to Yates Center, uh-huh. the replacement for Derek Schmidt's going to happen. I don't have an exact oh, time sure. on that. And I've heard uh, there's four or five names that might be in the ring down there. 
Oh, sure, the, the people that were appointed by um, the governor uh, vacate the seats, yeah. Well, then we have the Karen Brownlee in the Olathe area, and, wow. and that one hasn't been scheduled because that, that's just a new announcement. Right. Tim Hull's camp out in uh, Dodge, the Dodge City area, I haven't seen a schedule on that one, uh, but that's got to be coming. Sure. And then the house race, Jim Morrison here recently died right before Thanksgiving, yeah. and he his replacement out in Colby. So we have that race, and I think, I don't know if there's a date on that one or not. Oh, it's uh, December 19th, I think it is. Okay. Well, you know, the interest, I think, is really going to be in the Senate. Uh, Jim Morrison, you know, I didn't know Jim well. He and I have met on several occasions. Uh, his voting record, again, for us that are fiscal conservatives, uh, a very, very strong, positive voting record. Uh, Jim was well-liked, well-respected, and represented his district well. That seat's going to stay conservative, I'm sure, and if it doesn't, it really isn't going to change much in a <laughs> large scope because the House has taken a sharp turn to the right. Well, there, there's, uh, there's two names out there. There's a Brenda McCants, who he beat in the primary, like two to one, but she put her name in, and then but David Voss from Colby has the endorsement of Jim's wife. So uh, I don't know much about him, but I would assume what you're saying is true. Yeah, if it's Voss, you know, with the endorsement of Jim's wife, probably will carry the day out there. But again, you know, the House is going to be pretty predictable, I think, in 2011, vote-wise. This is going to be a conservative House. The Democrats will no longer control the House, right. which they've done for years, because there's always been just enough moderate Co coalition there. Term, moderate, enough liberal Republicans that have sided with the Democrats that the conservatives have always been on the outside looking. Yeah. That's going to change next year in the House. But now let's take a look at the Senate. Uh, Karen Brownlee was appointed Secretary of Labor by Governor-elect Brownback. And Karen Brownlee, uh, again, if you're a fiscal conservative or a social one, for that matter, a uh, very, very strong voting record to the right of center. Right, right. In fact, it's kind of interesting. Uh, one of her last things she did in the legislature this year was um, she read a letter uh, almost condemning the Senate's passing of the 1% sales tax, that it was just an irresponsible thing to have done in a, in a recession. So uh, very, very strong fiscal conservative there. Yes. Is this seat going to be retained by a conservative? Well, likely. I mean, there's two names out there right now. There's one, the state rep, Rob Olson, that I don't know, know him that well, but he, he represents the Olathe area. I would think it's pretty much in the same camp as, as Karen. And then there's a, an Olathe city official named Ron Rickman that's putting his hat in or so. Internet email says, and so it's, it's, it's going to be a two-way race at least for that uh, replacement. But then if Rob Olson uh, pick moves to the Senate, then that triggers yet another election to replace him. So we don't really know how many more elections there could be if, if some of these House people move over to the Senate. Well, okay. What position is uh, Rickman in the city government? I think he's a city councilman, but I'd have to yeah, double-check on that. Probably so, yeah. Okay. Uh, both, you say, uh, well, you don't know much about... I don't know a lot about uh, either one of them. I mean, I have to research them to say anything very strongly. Earl, remind us what the uh, process is for replacement. Well, the, the way that works is, is the precinct committee people in whatever the area is. So, like in Karen Brownlee, I think she's District 23, all the precinct committee people um, meet. There's a, so there's one precinct committee man, one precinct committee woman from every precinct. They meet, and then they elect uh, the replacement. In a house race, you could have, what, a dozen to 15 um, 
precincts, so maybe 30 people voting. In a Senate race, maybe three times as, so, you know, maybe slightly over 100 people voting. So a vote of those people really carries uh, carries a lot of weight, you know, just one, one vote from one precinct committee person. Yeah, it shows the power of a precinct committee person. And, and the precinct has to be of the same party. Yes, yes. The same, each party has their, their own set yeah. of precinct committee people. Yeah. Yep. In fact, my stint in the state Senate was as a result of being elected by precinct committee people. And I had a six-month stint in the Senate. Easiest job I've ever had in my life, by the way. <laughs> well, we've already had two two elections uh, in Johnson County because yeah. the replacement for Collier, where Ray Merrick won, and then Merrick uh, was replaced by um, Charlotte O'Hara. So yeah. we've had two of them already. Yeah, they've got to serve. I never had to serve. You know, I was uh, <laughs> oh, you did six months and, uh, yeah. What was the last six months of a term? The last six months of a term. No yeah. grand openings or no official uh, capacity no. things? No. <laughs> Just collect uh, your money and mail it in. That was pretty much it. Yeah, there was one appointment I made during that six-month period that the city and the county were taking a look at, what, consolidation of government. Believe it or not, this was back in the 80s. Nothing ever changes, huh? No, nothing ever changes. The same issues that were there in the 80s are with us today. So I appointed the most conservative person I can think of as my one and only appointment when I was a state senator. Betty Pistorius was my one and only appointment when I was in the state senate. Easy money. I mean, just... <laughs> well, not very much money, money, though. <laughs> not a lot of it. <laughs> you would have made that more easy. working at McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> So, Karen Brantley, you know, being Olathe, I would anticipate Earl Glenn, that seat is going to remain conservative because Olathe, uh, it is a hotbed of fiscal conservatism and social conservatism. In Johnson County, it's probably the most conservative area, yeah. Okay. Now, let's take a look at Senator Derek Smith. Uh, Derek is our Attorney General-elect out of Independence. And Independence, we've had uh, a mixture as far as conservative right, uh, left of center, liberals representing. Frank, Frank Miller was from there. So. Yes, a very conservative individual, and Frank Miller was defeated by. Mm, I can't draw a blank on the name. A young Jeff attorney. King, did he defeat Jeff King? Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds yeah. right. Okay, now who's running for Derek Smith's seat? I've heard some names and I just don't remember them. There's a, there's at least one state rep in the area down there, but I can't remember. I hate to speculate a name. I'd be one district off or something. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a seat. You know, Derek, and again, I, I try not to use the term moderate Republicans because I don't think there are many moderate Republicans. But Derek, I think, would fall in that category. He's a true moderate. Uh, he's not a conservative, but he's not a liberal either. I mean, he might be a centrist. Yeah. Uh, kind of a Ron Thornburg type that would truly be in the center of the Republican Party. So, independence, uh, again, this is where we could see a shift to the left or right. Because there truly aren't many moderates out there, folks. Well, so in a multi-way race, those are always hard to call, too. There's four or five people running. Yeah. I don't know. Each convention can have their own rules. The party official in that area has to put up the rules. In Johnson County, what they did is you had to get 50% or more, or the bottom person dropped off. And so you can have several ballots. Mm -hmm. But in multi-way races, it's just really hard to call how those might turn out. Yeah, the reason these Senate races have some interest, uh, folks, that uh, what happens in independence could affect you and I uh, in Topeka, Kansas, because the Senate right now, you know, it's uh, pretty evenly divided it's, between it's close. Yeah, moderate Republicans and conservative Republicans. It's 15-15, roughly. So based on a, any particular bill, there could be some coalition. So, yeah, it could go either way on things. Yeah, so, you know, just uh, one senator taking a shift to the right or the left 
could really impact the balance in our state Senate. Yeah. Big time. So now, this is an important race for both wings of the Republican Party. Now, the interesting other Senate re replacement is for State Senators Tim Hulskamp, who's uh, going to become a congressman from the 1st District out west. Uh, Melvin Neufeld, who lost his House seat, has written a letter, I think it was to the Dodge City Globe, expressing interest in that seat. So he's a, he's a known person that wants to run. And there's rumors out there, I can't really confirm them, but I've heard them from several different ways, that Garrett Love, who beat Melvin Neufeld, is also interested in that. So kind of a speculative thing here. If Garrett Love were to move up, which is, seems a bit of a reach for me, then Melvin could possibly get his old job back. So that would be the strangest of all. <laughs> That's a strange one. John Earl, this Garrett Love, by the way, is a Washburn grad. And I think 22, 23 years old, and beat former House Speaker Melvin Newfield two to one or three to one. Oh, it was a lot, yeah. Stunning defeat. A real surprise. Yeah, yeah it really was. But this uh, young man has never served a day <laughs> as a legislator. <laughs> He's a legislator elect. Hasn't been hasn't been sworn in, in yeah. No. So he hasn't served a day in the legislature, and he's already taking a look at uh, taking well, the next step. We're still rumors say we, you, you well, never I've know. One same thing. You've I, heard it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, Garrett loves giving serious consideration <laughs> to taking a look at the Senate seat. Oh, he's, he's trying to move up, and he hasn't even been sworn in yet. Yeah. There you go. Well, it's, it's most curious. Nothing like the ambition of youth, huh? <laughs> And there could be uh, other races still to come because uh, Governor-elect Brownback has appointed roughly half of his cabinet, uh, half to go. And uh, So that could happen in other parts of the state, too. I mean, Johnson County said several, but it could happen just about anywhere. Sure, sure. Because uh, Governor-elect Brownback's going to go after, you know, the most talented individual, and he might, uh, again, dip into our uh, legislative body and pull another legislator or two. Some expertise from there. Yeah, yeah, to serve in some capacity in the Roundback administration. So, yeah. We're going to see well, a lot of new faces under the dome in 2000. I just yeah. hope this, this escalation up the ladder is not a a uh, demonstration of the Peter Principle at work. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope. Yeah, yeah that's that. right. <laughs> in so many cases, that's proven to be true. Anything else happening on the legislative front? Uh, not the ton on my horizon right now. Okay. We've got uh, Bob Beatty, by the way, coming in Monday, folks. And Bob and I are going to be talking about 2012 uh, presidential politics. You know, now we've got, we're in the heat of a presidential race. Uh, certainly the nomination on the Republican side and what soon could be possibly a race on the Democrat side of the ledger as well. Obama being attacked by the left. Well, if you watch Rachel Mad Maddow or, or Keith Overman, there's a lot of that they were talking about just last night. So um, some people think he might have some serious opposition. Some people think it might be token opposition. So we just have to put, stay From tuned. From the left. From the left. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you take a look at, uh, you know, Democrats that have been challenged by either the right or the left of their party, they've been one-termers. LBJ is a good example. Eugene McCarthy and Bobby Kennedy took LBJ down, took him down. And Teddy Kennedy, uh, when he challenged Carter, took Carter down from the one, from possibly being a two-term president. So, if Obama is challenged, and I just can't imagine a challenge from the left, I thought Obama was about as far left as you could go. But well, he didn't do very well in the House caucus yesterday because there's only one person voted in favor of his new um, tax plan that he has with the, with Republicans. 
And uh, that was a woman from, I can't remember her name, from Nevada, who basically was saying she needed to do something for the people of Nevada that were unemployed. She was defeated, by the way. Um, she represents Vegas. You're right, right. And right. defeated, so she's on her way out the door. Yeah. Um, but taking a look at this tax bill, John Arnold, Earl Glenn, please explain to me how this makes sense. I think the Republicans have lost their minds on this thing. And the Democrats have, too, because one of the concessions made is to cut our Social Security contributions. Now, Social Security, you know, <laughs> we're bankrupt now. We don't have money to pay future claims now. Who in God's name came up with this, and, and why? Good question. And why are the Republicans and the Democrats, neither one of which, are criticizing this particular Well, and how we're going to pay for it is usually the question, but they don't seem to be asking that question right now. Uh, What constituency is saying cut our Social Security contributions? I think the argument is that it cuts, it adds more money to the take-home pay of people and therefore hits the lower and middle class, people who make less than $106,000 where the Social Security cut off. But uh, I think that's the, the, the main reason it gives something to that particular group in order to compromise and give the tax uh, cuts to the rich for the next two years. Is, is it supposed to, be, supposed to be an incentive for small business guys to, to hire, too? Is that the other Well, one? that, too. So That'd kind of a combination of both of those things? Because it would go to cut the amount of the business contribution as well as the individual contribution. But if we're going broke, it doesn't make sense to... <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. Over. And well, there's only four or five Republicans that have said no to this on the, on the House side so far. Ron Paul, by the way, folks, is one of them. He said, you know, this just doesn't make economic sense. None. And he voted, had the courage to say no. And there were three or four others who, uh, whose names, frankly, I didn't recognize as far as being leaders in the House. But, but, but there's some spending in here, too, and I don't know the details. I think there's, what, $200 billion of new spending, which that doesn't make any sense either. Yeah, well, there is uh, as far as extension of unemployment benefits. And I understand that I don't agree with it, but I understand the Democrats pushing for that. Well, uh, yeah, and that's kind of important. I mean, this is, this is uh, we have an awful lot of people out of work, and when the unemployment benefits expire, that's harmful. And remember, Jim, I did that blog a few months ago that, oh, some independent group, maybe it was the CBO, went over all the different kinds of things you could do to stimulate the economy, and increasing unemployment benefits in the time were the most payback, got the most payback. 1.6 bucks per dollar, I think it was, something like that. Well, I'm very very close to a situation here in Topeka. Individual I know very well, high school education, no skills, just happens to have a high school diploma, has now been employed for close to two years, drawing $410 a week or whatever it is. He has no intentions of going back to work as long as he can draw unemployment benefits. Now we're going to extend it another 13 months. Uh, This individual will never go out and apply for a job. Why? You know, at 400 a week, can they a lot of money, but it's enough basically to keep the lights on, keep food on the table. And so do you think if they gradually reduced it, possibly that at some point they'd hit his incentive target level? If you get hungry time? enough, you're going to go out and look for a job. Well, the, the whole hunger deal... Will, oh, I'm sorry. Well, hunger will inspire you to go out and look for a job. Yeah, but the whole deal about unemployment is you're supposed to have somebody at the state check with everybody to see every week that they've gone and applied for a job. At the same time that we're cutting employees and the Department of Labor probably doesn't have enough people to do that. And as a consequence, yeah, the guy can sit home and say, I don't have to go look for a job. You mean I just call in every week or 
send an email and say, I'm still looking for a job. Send me my check. Yeah. That's basically all you do anymore. You can do it all by, all through the Internet. Yeah, you don't have to go anywhere. You can stay in your jammies and apply for unemployment. Not a bad, not a bad go, but... Again, I understand the Democrats' argument on that. I understand the Republicans, you know, on, on the taxation on the Bush tax cuts, uh, as we reference them. I think the Republicans, Earl Glenn, are going to be the ultimate losers in this battle. Because, again, whether it's mainstream, left-of-center media attention, Republicans protecting the rich. You know, we keep uh, saying, hey, we're going to nail Obama on this one, and we might win this fight. I think we're about to maybe win a battle and lose the war. Part of the... Politically. The, yeah, part of the argument to support you, Jim, is that there was a story recently about how many people in Congress and the Senate are millionaires. And it's a large number. Uh, I don't remember if it was a majority, but it seems to me it was at least 46% in the House and 60% in the Senate. And some are multimillionaires. Mm -hmm. And you say, okay, who's benefiting from these tax cuts? Well... Look in the mirror. You know, but, but there aren't that many of us in society that are millionaires. But there's still a lot of small business guys or even farm owners, I guess, in Kansas that, you know, there's several hundred thousand dollars a year operation they may have, and, and they can hire people, and this is going to hurt their ability to hire people. So it's it's a question of, of, uh, of jobs. And so at some point, the, the, the people that are rich do, do create a lot of jobs. Well, Earl Glenn, I couldn't agree with you more. But if you received a release from the Republican Party talking about that, nobody seems to be fighting back on that. Everybody's just letting it go that the Republicans are out to protect, you know, the millionaires and the billionaires and what have you. You're right. The issue is small business ownership. These are the ones that we can't afford to hack off, you know, because our economy is, you know, it's tenuous right now. Well, and, and the worst part of this is going to delay some things like two years, and so we're going to have this another two-year period of uncertainty where some b small business guys need some certainty so they can make some decisions that take, you know, if you're going to buy, get a loan or something. So we really need to have more certainty, and that we're not providing that right now. Yeah, and the Republicans crow about this, and uh, we need to be educating the public as to what this is all about. And the last thing we need to do is be cutting Social Security contributions. <laughs> I mean, this whole thing, it's so frustrating. You know, the Tea Party Express, it's, it's becoming derailed. Real quick, but it because we're right back to good old boy politics. But it was interesting on on watching Rachel and those other programs on MSNBC last night that they weren't really attacking. There, there, there was they did mention it. You know, this is a, a tax break for the rich, but they were really more focused on on President Obama, which I thought that was just really curious. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's uh, both sides. Whether you're hard right or hard left, uh, don't suffer. Uh, uh, defections very well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I mean, by God, you stay with us in our whole way, or, or you're out. You know? Yeah. So I, I, and I think that's unfortunate. And I think President Obama has tried to do what people have done forever in terms of making Congress work, and that's make compromises. I mean, uh, who was the best compromiser we ever saw, Jim, as president? It was, it was LBJ. Don't you believe but but he was criticized for making compromises. Oh sure. Term, so, but but you know you give up a little bit to get a little bit, and yeah, that's how you make progress. And uh, that's always been the way it's happened. I think, uh, I, you know, oh, there was a uh, sometimes we'd have some real hard 
hardline position like Ronald Reagan might take and say this is the way it's going to be. And for a while there, we did um, the last couple of years and the Democrats saying that's the way it's going to be, but that doesn't work very well for long-term. Well, President Clinton was a unhappy. good compromiser. Uh, President well, he was, he was a cla- yeah, he's probably the best Absolutely. recently. I mean, he wanted to chase women, didn't want to be bothered by <laughs> what was going on at Capitol Hill, and uh, was successful at both. We had eight years of prosperity. You know, he turned it over to the Republicans and let Newt and the boys run with government, and for a while... It worked. Well, we even had a surplus there, didn't we? So yes, quite we a bit. Absolutely. Well, he was pretty. He was pretty good at moving with the uh, with the tin uh, winds of change. Yeah. And um, he complimented as the best politician we've got out there. Yeah. Yeah. Did an effective job in that respect. Yeah. You know, I want to give Obama some credit, and uh, this doesn't happen often on this show, <laughs> but Obama created this commission to take a look at uh, reducing. The nation's deficit. Yeah, here, here. just a week ago. Yes, and uh, what's been released? Frankly, I think this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. There's something in this thing for everybody to hate. But bottom line, you know, if we adopt what this commission came up with, we're out of the ho- you know we're out of the woods. We're on the road to economic recovery. Whether this is going to happen politically or not. Yeah, it makes well, the most political, fiscal sense, the most fiscal sense that we've seen anywhere in, in 10, 12, 15, 20 years. And it seems to be dead on arrival. But isn't there some speculation, is it in March, that they have to extend the, the national debt the ceiling? And so maybe they'll dust it off and at least talk about it then again. But it's not clear what, what they're going to do at that yeah. point, though. Yeah, the worry there is that somebody like uh, Rand Paul, who said, I will not vote for extending the national debt unless we cut spending to make it work. Yep. But the problem is, he says he'll filibuster, and if he does, the other guys around the world say it'll take down the financial world uh, worldwide because we have to extend our debt. Uh, otherwise, all the bonds that are out there are worthless or defaulted, and uh, we're in serious trouble. Yeah. Well, look at look, look at what's going on in England right now when they have this austerity program and exactly. uh, the the population is not taking it well. Exactly. And all around the, all around the world, the Greeks are trying to put in an austerity program, and people are fussing because what do you mean I can't retire at fifty? I'm a hairdresser. That's a hazardous, hazardous <laughs> profession. But John, we can't even slow the, slow the increase of of these things right now. Not, not, let alone let alone reduce them. John, you you just uh, forgotten one of the cardinal rules of the show. What's that? We don't criticize Jesus, we don't criticize Ronald Reagan, and we don't criticize the Paul family. We don't describe who was the last one? Uh, who, who was the last one? The Paul family ran. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting two out of three there. So, so I'm going to have to write, write those rules down. So. I got two out of three. I never heard the, the don't criticize Jesus rule, but of course that's not something that you normally run into in politics. Well, as a reporter, I try to stay neutral, so I think it would have been okay on all three of them. But. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, you know, this uh, presidential commission taking a look at reducing the deficit, you know, when this thing first came out, it happened to be a night I was home and flipping channels. And if you take the ten major bullet points on this commission to reduce the deficit, you had Hannity absolutely jumping up and down saying how bad this report was, and he had his five bullet points on why this thing was horrible. Yep. Then if you flipped it over to MSNBC, you had Oberman ranting and raving on five points. On, on the other side. On the other side. Different five points. <laughs> yes, uh, different five points altogether. Yep. yep. And both MSNBC and Fox were just all over this report. Uh, 
why it was. Which is part of the problem. We can't get, you can't agree, even get agreement on one of them. Uh, so. It reminds me of the old story, Jim, about three economists who went duck hunting. The first economist shot at the duck as it came over, it was ahead of it. The second economist shot at the duck, it was behind it. The third economist said, we got him. <laughs> if you're half, half ahead and half behind, it must be a pretty good program. Now, now, years ago, I used to work with a bunch of economists out in Manhattan, a small company there, and uh, at that time, I was very amused by Andy Rooney's comment about economists that he thought they should all be locked up until they admitted they didn't know what they were talking about. So, <laughs> words, and that's always stuck. But, you know, I was the only one of the few non-economists at the time working there. So. Well, I like to hear Truman comment about economists. Can't somebody give me a one-handed economist? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, on the other hand, this is a little too yeah, much Yeah, you betcha. Like you betcha. I like that. Yeah, you do. Uh, is there anything that's coming out of this commission, do you think, that is saleable, to where both parties are going to work to pass? What bullet point would it be? What? Which one? Pick one. Earl Glenn, John Arnold. Where do we go with this? Because, again, this commission report, it struck at the heart of so many special interest groups in Washington, D.C. It hit everybody. This is what we've got to do if we're going to be responsible. If we're truly going to work on reducing our nation's debt, this is what we've got to do. Anything coming out of this that actually is going to pass muster? I think it's still a hard sell, but but the extension of of the retirement age. Because if you look, if you go back in history, when when they first made that 65, I don't think the uh, average life expectancy was even 65. You weren't I think really you're right. It was actually you, 67. You you weren't yeah. supposed to collect. The government had orchestrated this thing. You weren't even going to collect it. Well, now with longer and li- longer life expectancy, and less and less money, something's going to break there. And but there but there um, the proposals were really pretty modest, wasn't it? Like extension of uh, three years over a period of 40, th- th- 40, 40 years. years, and that just seems such a. a, a, a a modest proposal that I'm not sure why people could could object to that, but yet yet there yep. is some. Well, the original back in '35, I think, Earl was uh, 38. 38. Yeah. Was uh, a widows and orphans kind of a bill that the breadwinner has died by 65. Right, 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 right. And so we're providing something to keep uh, bread on the table, basically. But I think I think Jim and Earl, uh, long term, everything in that proposal will be adopted. <laughs> because because we have to. Because we have to, but yeah. it, it's it's not going to go all by March or something like that because people are just going to have to absorb. We can't do anything else. But those kinds of, those guys came up with a really fiscally sound set of programs. I don't agree with all of them. I mean, I wouldn't like to see all of them put into effect, but I think they all will at some point or another. Well, well, maybe the means testing of Social Security might be one of the first ones because it's kind of a. The Democrats might like, you know, cutting some some wealthy people off from getting their Social Security checks, and they really don't need it, I guess, in some ways. But it is their money, so that one might yep. have some agreement. Yeah, it, that that that's tough. But I agree with you about the uh, increase in the age. That has to happen. Well, Dick Durbin, you know, the senator from Illinois, uh, was on. Gosh, I don't know, MSNBC, Fox, one of the two, uh, the other night, and said, "I know I'm going to anger a lot of my colleagues by saying this." But he said, you know, extending Social Security benefits up to age 69 and phasing it in over a 40-year period. <laughs> that's not hard. This is a no-brainer. Well, that's Why? exactly uh, right. <laughs> and, but and he, he qualified it by saying, I know this is going to anger. Right, it, and, it, and it does. Colleagues. It does. Uh, well, <coughs> on the yeah. other <coughs> excuse me. 
On the other hand, I think one of the reasons that that will happen is because it's going to have to happen at every local government and every state government as they look at their pensions over time. Because you're going to have to go with multi-tiers in terms of what people have. The people who are now retired can continue on the way they are. The people who are within maybe 10 years or 15 years uh, maybe can add a year in 10 or 15 years. People under 40, yeah, go to 69 and 70, something like that. They're going to have to do that because the state and local government pension plans and, frankly, uh, corporate pension plans are going to have to do the same thing. Yeah, that's a huge huge problem. And so they're all going to be aware we have to do this, and so does the Social Security folks. Yep. Yep. It'll happen. What's going to be the last uh, plank to be adopted in this commission report? Farm Probably the subsidies? gas tax. Yeah, that, okay. I was going to say farm subsidies. That's a toughie, but there's that's that's a huge, huge issue, at least in our state. Yeah. Yeah. And if you take a look at your more uh, conservative-leaning members of Congress, they're from the heartland. And, you know, if the liberals want to play hardball, they're going to come back to the heartland and say, okay, uh, you know, if you're goring our ox, <laughs> but let's the, take a look at this wheat subsidy. What's it called now? Well, the one farm subsidy. Ethanol, sub- corn ethanol. Uh, yeah. One I never understood is the farm subsidy for tobacco. You know, we we condemn it on one end, but then we promote it on the other. And I go, let's, you know, the policies are inconsistent. Yeah, there's no question about that. Yeah. But, you know, the um, during the Reagan Revolution, Jim, uh, Stockman, David Stockman was the budget director, and he was the guy selling the whole supply-side economics thing to the Congress. Mm-hmm. And um, got some tax cuts, but got some tax increases also. But at one point, he said in his book written in 1986, after he'd left the government, he admitted that uh, we all knew that that was wrong. It wouldn't work. We couldn't continue to borrow money, and we couldn't continue to spend at 20% of GDP while we got revenues at 16% of GDP. And he said at one point, when they all were saying, we want to cut spending, they had uh, one of the darlings of the conservative movement's economist, and I forget his name now, who said, why would you want to cut subsidies to farmers and the elderly and veterans. He says, that's your constituency. You don't want to cut those things. And so they all agreed not to do it. And they helped in the process, according to Stockman, build the welfare state piece by piece over that way. So, you know, I don't think that's likely to happen anytime soon either. Yeah, and if you take a look at constituencies, you know, who you're serving, as far as constituency, you know, I think corn ethanol uh, is the poster child. Uh, corn ethanol, I think it was proven from day one, we were burning two... More, more energy than it was producing. Well, yeah. Uh, for a right. barrel of uh, corn ethanol, we were burning two barrels of uh, fossil fuel. The reason corn ethanol is still out there with us is because of the state of Iowa. And where do we go, you know, if you're running for president, where are you <laughs> going to be spending most of your time? How do you get through yeah. Iowa without ethanol, huh? There you go. Well, there you, you go. You don't oppose corn ethanol if you're a presidential candidate. Yeah. If yeah. you're going into Iowa attempting to get some caucus votes to kick off your presidential campaign. So, again, the farm subsidies, it's going to be a toughie. And, again, it's because Iowa has placed themselves in a position of tremendous, tremendous power because of the presidential caucus system. So, That would be interesting to look at farm subsidies in Iowa just because that's such a hot issue. So. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Yeah, really? Absolutely. Presidential politics. Uh, 
Let's get into that for just a minute. Bob Beatty is going to be with us next Monday, folks. Coming in at 8 o'clock next Friday, Kim Borchers. Uh, Kim is absolutely one of my favorite uh, people, and she's now working in the Brownback administration, and she's going to be with us at 8 o'clock Friday morning. And, uh, Kim started off, I don't know that you've ever heard the story, old man. I know, I know her, but, but maybe I haven't. Go ahead. Uh, Kim, uh, this was back when I was with 1440. I've been hosting a talk show now for 14 years in Topeka. With one exception, I've never had anybody call the show that I've invited on the next day as a guest. Well, Kim Borchers called the show one day, and I was talking about an issue. She was so passionate, so articulate, so well-prepared when she called. I said, why don't you just come on in tomorrow morning? And we'll let's let's talk about it, yeah. And uh, I had never heard the name Kim Borchers. Didn't know Kim Borchers from Adam of Fox. But she came in the next day, and as a result... Kim became a very, very close friend. In fact, uh, she actually was employed by Cumulus when I was with 1440 for a period of time. Did the news in the morning. And, uh, and was she? Did she host her own program, or was she a substitute? Because she was on the air from time to time, wasn't yes. she? Yes, right, yeah. yeah. With me, and when I took off, Kim would come in and sub for me. And uh, yeah. Delightful lady. So at any rate, she's going to be with us next uh, Friday. But Bob Beatty's coming in. Monday, folks, at 9 o'clock, we're going to be talking about uh, presidential politics because another decision Kansas is going to have to make on the Republican and Democrat side of the ledger, a delegate allocation. Is this going to be a winner-take-all state, a positioning of the Kansas primary, Kansas caucuses? When's it going to happen? Nevada, I read the Las Vegas Review-Journal about every day because we spend so much time in Nevada and our good friends out there and what have you. Well, the Republican Party uh, just met, and what they're going to do, they're not going to have a winner-take-all uh, again in two years. Because right now, Mitt Romney absolutely has the state of Nevada mm. locked up as far as organization, the whole nine yards. Mitt Romney is going to walk off with the majority of votes coming out of the state of Nevada. So they're going to have a proportional breakdown of delegates, which they did two years ago. Is it statewide or by congressional district? I don't know. I think they, some some I states think. do it slightly differently. Yeah, but this is a decision that's going to have to be made in Kansas. And folks, Kansas, on the Republican side of the ledger, a huge, huge Huckabee state two years ago. It was. Yeah, yeah Huckabee, just uh, this was his strongest state, I believe, outside of Arkansas, would have been yeah. the state of Kansas. Well, he's probably not going to run next year because he's building a $2 million house in Florida. It was reported yesterday. Well, I missed that one. So. Mike Huckabee? Yeah. Really? Someplace in Florida. And I, was, I, thought, I thought it was on Fox News. I think I was watching Megan Fox. So you're watching Fox while I'm watching MSNBC. That's, every that's, now that's and good then, for us, John. Every now and then I watch Fox. Megan, she's something else. She <laughs> asks a question to the guy. And he says, I think. And she says, what do you mean you think? Don't you know? Answer my question. <laughs> she can be pretty pretty hard-nosed at times. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. she can. Yeah. Anyway. Where are we going to go in 2012? Your prediction, Earl Glenn? Who's well, going to be the nominees? And then we'll go to John Arnold. Um, Not necessarily your favorite, but who do you think is going to get the nomination? If you had to call it now, looking in Earl Glenn's crystal ball two years down the road, who's going to be the nominee? My crystal ball doesn't see out that far yet, uh, Jim. I, I just really don't know. Um, I, I think it's, it's it's going to be somebody maybe we haven't really uh, thought that much of right now. It's... Uh, all the well-known names seem to be some reason why not to choose them, so maybe maybe somebody else will step up. The thing I would predict, though, is I bet we won't have 
presidential primary just because the, the, of the cost involved. So we'll probably stay with the caucus system or something like oh, that. Oh, you mean in Kansas? Kansas? In Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. John, your thoughts? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm with Earl, uh, really, uh, because I think it's just too soon to, to have a feel. I'm sure Mitt Romney is going to be out there, one of the guys trying to get the Republican nomination. And uh, he may well be, given the fact that he's got two years to continue to build his his uh, reasonableness chops, and I think that's the way he's going to go, um, he'll probably be a very credible candidate uh, as a Republican. Whether he can beat Obama, and I don't think there's a Democrat out there that can take it away from Obama, um, unless unless he stumbles and stumbles and stumbles and falls down the steps. But um, I suspect that he will be like Bill Clinton and be a comeback kid in terms of popularity and work some things out. Um, but um, I don't think Hillary's going to run and ch- challenge him. And I don't see anybody else on the, Repub- on, on the Democratic side that could take it away. Yeah. Okay, let's concede that Obama's going to be the Democrat nominee. My prediction is, if Sarah Palin runs for president, Mitt Romney will win the nomination. Who will? If Sarah Palin gets in, it's what Jim said. If if Sarah runs? If she's a candidate, Romney will win the nomination. Oh, I was going to say. The reason I say that, if Sarah Palin doesn't run, then I think this uh, nomination is wide open. Because I don't think Palin can win. Uh, but Sarah Palin, I think, has the unique ability to really be the king or queen maker. I think if Sarah Palin doesn't run, she has a strong enough following in the Republican Party, whoever she endorses and backs. Now we're looking at the true frontrunner in the Republican Party. But if she gets in, then everything changes, and then I think the Mitt Romney machine. Do you, do you think we'll even know in one year? I mean, do you think it'll go longer than that, Jim? Who knows? Uh, See, I, yeah. I think I think if the um, nominating activity was now, you'd be right. I think in two years, Sarah Palin will be overexposed so completely that she won't have nearly the clout that she has today. Yeah, time yeah. will tell. We'll Possibly see. so. Maybe a little more cleavage over the next year. year <laughs> the Who knows? <laughs> well, it's worked. It's worked for Fox News. Well, that's it for certainly sure. has. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, it certainly is. <laughs> and and I think it's a little bit of a problem in that both Huckabee and, and Palin and others are now on the payroll of Fox News. Well, and um, uh, Rachel Maddow was taking credit last night for predicting that Kristen, uh, what's the woman from O'Donnell? O'Donnell. O'Donnell. Was, she's going to guest host here in the next couple of weeks. So She's going to get what? She's going to guest host on one of the Fox morning shows. Oh, so, good. So Rachel played the little clip where she, she had predicted that, so that was kind of cute last night. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be fun to watch. And, um, well, you talked about, you know, several races going on in Kansas were... Uh, about 30 days away from being embroiled in city council races in Topeka. And we've oh, got presidential right, right. politics as well. So, you know, we never get out of an election cycle. The city stuff will start really soon, are you right? Yeah, which is great, you know, for talk radio. <laughs> Constant stream of new guests. Um, yeah, speaking of talk radio, Jim, uh, what's the... What's your schedule? Are you still on for... Do we have another year to go? What are you doing? Uh, we're going to be on next Friday. 
That's all you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. So, yeah, plan on next Friday. All right. I um, I will be unavailable next Friday, Jim. <clears throat> um, but um, I'll try to listen. Okay. You're not going to be not going to be available by phone or no, sir. Okay. Well, I'll I don't think so, but I'll give it a try. Okay. All right. Very good. I want to ask what you're up to. At <laughs> least, least not, not on air. I'm huh? not sure I want to know. I won't be in jail. I, I, that's not the issue. <laughs> well, hopefully, anyway. We're just about out of time. Earl, uh, your top story of the week, now that we've got seven minutes to go, we're about there. Well, I, I wrote a uh, series of three articles this week about a case in uh, Morris County in Council Grove where I had a, someone down there, just a concerned citizen, thought that the judicial system was being unfair to a person down there. So I went down and took a look at it. And the, the high school physics and chemistry teacher, who had been there for 22 years, got into a little fiasco with her daughter. And they went round and round and round. And um, she made the mistake. Well, and then also the boyfriend got involved. And um, so the mom went into the garage, got the, the gun out. And she wasn't really going to shoot the guy for being there. She was going to shoot him so he couldn't take her daughter somewhere, which is kind of a different twist of things. So she was going to shoot out his tires. She wasn't going to shoot him. She was going to shoot out his tires. She changed her mind and ended up discharging the, the gun into the ground, the bullet in the ground. But they've never found the bullet. But they ended up charging her with two, two counts of assault with a deadly weapon. There's a police report that the daughter was going to be charged with battery on the mom, but that never happened. And then in the preliminary hearing, the boyfriend admitted in at least three places I can find in the testimony that he restrained the mom inside her own house. So okay, we don't have enough time for this. So what's your website on it's, that, Earl? It's kansaswatchdog.org. It's just a real interesting <laughs> case of parental rights. i got to go see it. Second Amendment rights, and um, they'll sort it all out in, in court maybe next month down in uh, Council Grove. That's so you're kind of turning into Kansas's Ricky Lake, uh, well, Larry Springer. <laughs> my boss wants me to do more computer assisted reporting, so I'm not supposed to get involved with this. But that was the, I already got this one underway. So very interesting. But it's a very curious case, though. Now you say uh, as far as a judicial situation down there, what would that be? What what's because I haven't punched you up this week, and I need to do right, that. Right. I'll do that this weekend. But what's going on as far as the judge? Well, it's not really the judge; it's the county attorney on who got charges brought, who who, who had the charges on, on them. Because the daughter and the mom originally were going to have battery on each other, but then it only went in one direction. How old is the daughter? The daughter is 16, and the guy was 21. So the mom's mm. trying to keep the daughter home. Yeah. So it's, it's an all-in-the-family type of. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And the mother is, was the teacher. Was the teacher for a long time. As far as I can tell, she's had a good record. Nothing like this has happened before. Wow. And so she obviously can't teach now, and she will lose her teaching certificate. She'll never be able to teach again if she's convicted on one of the felony charges. Sure. Good night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sounds like she's got her hands full with a out-of-control 16-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's a challenge. So anyway, that was a little bit different for me, but that's what I have up on my uh, website this All week. Right. I'll go read it. Yeah, if you're uh, into that uh, type of story, then we might see more of those out of Earl Glenn. Well, not, my boss doesn't want me to do it, but he let me do that one. <laughs> well, that would be fun. Uh, I guess the town, obviously, is all involved in the story. Uh, well, actually, a small, uh, small actually, enough town. actually, no. Uh, from talking to people, the town doesn't even really know or understand the story. 
the mom is actually also going through a divorce, and they think it has something to do with her husband and a divorce. So the, most people in town don't even understand this story. Well, this has all the elements wow. of political intrigue and gossip. Yeah. Have, have, you, have you forwarded it on to O'Reilly? Well, I just try to keep it, you know. <laughs> if I didn't find it in the preliminary hearing testimony or the direct uh, um, interview, I didn't go there. So. All right. Man. Yeah. Or Nancy Grace. Nancy might be Nancy coming Grace down. might be, might be the go. better place for it. There you yeah, go. Yeah. I can't stand her. I've never watched her. <laughs> really? Oh, well, I try and give it up. Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, if she told you that she had a headache, you better believe her. I mean, she'd just slap you silly, I think, if you disagreed <laughs> with it. Her disposition on well, the air. Well, maybe so Megan's so court will have it. You can watch it there, John. There you go. <laughs> Earl, anything coming up in Johnson County next week? That, uh, other than that have statewide uh, implications? We have the elections uh, that are going to be happening. That would be the only thing that I, I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, and Errol, you make such a good point that, folks, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, uh, if you want to become politically involved, step number one, contact your county chairperson. Uh, Bob Eckert was recently elected in Shawnee County to chair the Republican Party. I don't know who chairs the Democrats. But if there is an opening in your particular neighborhood to serve as a precinct committee person, this truly potentially is a very powerful position. Yes. In the two years that, uh, four years that I was involved as a county chairman here in Shawnee County, I think we had four elections, special elections, as a result of the death, resignation, retirement, whatever, to where the precinct committee people, a group of 20 or 30 people, yeah. was electing a replacement to represent 125,000. Exactly. I mean, it's a very potentially powerful position to have. And in many yeah. cases, those seats are unfilled. I mean, there some areas, either parts of the county or parts of the cities, they're unfilled, so... Oh, absolutely. I would. Uh, I haven't seen more Democrats in Shawnee County. I would hazard a guess 30, 35% of the seats, at least, are vacant. Nobody's serving. Yeah, right. So, folks, it's a great way to get uh, politically involved. And obviously, if you're a precinct committee person, you're going to get all of the inside baseball type of mailings and emails and the whole nine yards. You're going to know what's going on in your community politically. So, take advantage of that. John, what have you got coming up? Uh, no, it's, I'm just watching the Brownback appointments to the cabinet. You know, those things are, we didn't get to talk about those, but it's pretty interesting. The budget guy uh, coming out of Oklahoma, Americans for Prosperity, was that the Yes, group? yes. Pretty much telegraphs what his uh, thoughts are about the budget. Responsible government spending. Well, it, yeah. it's interesting that I had all sorts of hits on a story I did on him a year ago, and yeah. one of the things he's pushes for is the yellow book test, that if it's in the yellow pages, the government shouldn't be doing it. So that's one of his uh, things he <laughs> likes to push. I like that. But, John, there was a Democrat appointed uh, serving in the Brownback cabinet, and, frankly, I've got a lot of respect for her. We've, we've been fortunate in the Department of Transportation. Uh, Deb Miller. I think she's done a good job, yeah. yeah. Everybody and likes her. Prior to that, Dean Carlson. We've had, had two good ones. Okay, John, we'll talk to you later. Earl, we'll see you next Friday. I'll come in next week, Jim. Sounds great. Okay, okay Earl. Take care, guys. Dave Jackson on deck. Stay tuned. More to come. I'm Jim Cates. CJOnline.com has been upgraded, and it's an entirely new way for you to experience your community. More than ever, CJOnline.com has what you need when you need it. As your morning starts, CJOnline.com is updated with overnight news, weather, and the morning buzz. Throughout the day, they bring you developing stories, interaction, and commentary. In the evening, they recap the day in news and sports and feature their local bloggers. Experience local news and sports at CJOnline.com. Your 24-7 Northeast Kansas News Connection. Topeka Collegiate.
Topeka's only independent school, treats every child as gifted. Each student is encouraged to excel in a caring, small class learning environment guided by humanitarian principles. At Topeka Collegiate, children fall in love with learning. Enrollment is limited. Call 228-0490 or visit our website at topekacollegiate.org. Topeka Collegiate School, educating children for life. Excuse me, why are you saving those old eyeglasses? You know the ones, stuck away in the desk drawer, haven't been worn in years. Yeah, those. You should donate them to your local Lions Club. Lions Clubs have been collecting used eyeglasses for years. They'll take your old eyeglasses and recycle them for someone in need of proper eyewear. Call your local Lions Club for information on where you can donate your old eyeglasses. Lions Clubs International. We serve. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. We're back with Jim Cates at cjonline.com, your source for live Internet news, opinion, interviews, and conversation in Topeka. Here's Jim. Good morning, Dave Jackson. Morning. Beautiful day. Oh, One yeah. more. This is it. Well, well, although the forecast, I think, for midweek, next week, it's supposed to get back up into the 50s, I think. Oh, cool. Any nine kind degrees of... for a low tomorrow night. Did I read that right? Nine. I heard seven, too, on the uh, dadgum WIBW radio. Oh, okay. But uh, hopefully nine and anything. Yeah, nine for a low Sunday night is what uh, the paper says this morning. A high today of 54. Yeah, a gorgeous day. And tomorrow's not going to be too bad. A high of 40, but Sunday, oh boy. High of 23. That's the high. We've yeah. already got lake, uh, ice on our lake under Sherwood. In the mornings and the edges? Uh, back in the cove, I'm not so sure you can't walk on it around what? the edges now. It's thick. Yeah, I believe I'd want to have my waders on. Well, I'm not going to. There's no reason for me to be out there on nope, the ice. Nope, no, sure not. No, but I was down at uh, the shoreline yesterday doing a little burning, getting rid of some uh, leaves and limbs and what have you, trying to uh, get some water uh, out of the lake, and I couldn't break the ice with a rock. Really? Really, really. Now, this is kind of in a shaded area of the cove. But, uh, huh. Yeah. Not good, not good. But we're one day closer to spring. That's exactly right. Any That's day that we got fifty plus, and that we're one day closer to spring, and it's just one of those things. You betcha. And I'm one day closer to Hawaii. So. Yes, indeed. You're getting very, very close. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, we had an inter- interesting show. We had uh, City Councilman Bob Archer on. Did you during the eight o'clock hour? And Bob is just such a reasonable fiscal conservative. Talking about Karen Hiller's proposal. Yep. A great great proposal. On the surface, it sounds good. I like Karen, and I'm glad she's thinking outside of the box. But the one thing to where it won't work, it's an unworkable proposal. Because, Dave Jackson, you can pass any type of ordinance you want to pass. 
that that's not going to bind future elected officials. Right. You so cannot compel future. That can always be undone. But at least if we set the precedent, if we set the precedent, maybe some other people will gain some fiscal sense. Yeah, yeah. Instead of, instead of mortgaging our kids' futures on taxes for stuff that we think we need now, why don't we pay for it if we need it? I've heard the other argument. Dave Kerr, the president, Senate, Senate of the president, president of the Senate, when I was mm-hmm. when I was there, uh, said that uh, these are improvements that we're making for the future, and so they should share in the cost of it, which also sounds reasonable. But but along with it comes all that interest, and that's all that much less you can buy. Yep. Oh, you bet. Uh, no, I I liked the sound of Karen's proposal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at first blush, but mm-hmm. Karen, you know, also wants to raise sales tax and property tax. And yeah, that part doesn't really get it. No, no. But she's thinking outside of the box, and again, it's at least it's getting people in this community talking about, you know, getting the city out of debt. She's right. raised the awareness of the issue. We've got a lot of bonded indebtedness out there. So we do. When we could easily we could easily defeat this stuff just by eliminating internal waste. Mm-hmm. I know they say they've been cutting and cutting and cutting, but. I can see the waste all the time, everywhere, yep. in, that, in those departments. And yep. you, and you've hit on it a number of times. The, the, um, the accounting department over there and their millions of dollars of software programming that they squandered mm-hmm. when there was no need to do that. Neither the city nor the county. Yeah. Well, one of the two had to do it. Step up and get new software. One well, of the two had to. You know, although I remember back when this issue was blazing hot, Mm -hmm. and we had the city and the county racing each other to see who could buy the first system, I had the city uh, appointed officials on one day, the county the next, Mm -hmm. and we went through this for about two weeks, and I can't remember who specifically it was with the city, but I asked him, I said, you know, how antiquated is your system? Well, it's pretty antiquated, but... Is there anything we're not furnishing to the taxpayers that we need to furnish? Mm-hmm. No, we're getting everything out. It's no problem there. And I said, you know, just minimally, what would it take to bring this system up to speed to where the antiquated system, so to speak, that was providing everything the taxpayers needed, up to snuff to where we could feel comfortable that it's going to be a predictable system and will be operational for the next four to six years? Fifty, sixty thousand dollars would do it. Mm-hmm. They needed a new platform. He said, "We have a critical need for a platform." Well, I have that's no just, idea. That's hardware. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have no idea what a platform yep. is. But, yep. but he said the cost of a platform and everything the city needed to do, as far as meeting critical needs, was in the fifty to seventy thousand dollar range. Mm-hmm. We spent millions. Yep. Millions. Then the county goes out, and they've got a system now that, as I understand it, still isn't up and running the way that it should be. And the same thing on the county side. Mm. You know, they needed to spend, I can't remember what the figure was, a little more, 100000 125000 would have brought their existing system up to where it needed to be to make sure that county taxpayers were getting the information that they wanted and needed. Sure. That's $5, 6000000 million. Mm-hmm. Just absolute, utter waste. Yep. But... That be government. That be government. Yep. It's when you're spending other people's money, it's a whole lot easier than spending your own. Yes, it is. Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. Tomorrow, taking a look at the temperatures. What do we need to do to prepare for a high Sunday of 23, 24 degrees? Get out your coats. 
it would be good since we haven't had any rain and if we don't get a significant amount of moisture it would really be good to water your stuff today or tomorrow while the temperature is above freezing uh, your trees your shrubs whatever that you've planted this fall your lawn it's all dry so if you get some water on it a well hydrated plant will suffer less burn damage winter burn uh, freeze damage if if uh, you get some water on it than if you you don't so you're that saying, would yeah you're saying turn on the sprinklers tomorrow well or, yeah <laughs> yeah put them away when and drain them when you get done for sure but but yeah wh- whatever you whatever's been planted whatever looks whatever you can pull around the soil and and see that it's drying let's get it watered That's, really yeah because we're te- we're talking a really cold spell and we didn't have any moisture what how long two three weeks yeah it's been a while yeah. um, so we need uh, uh, you're, there's a uh, there's a moisture deficit in your soil at this point, so let's eliminate that. But that was a great question, Jim. Well, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what this does for your business, because I'm sure if somebody's out there with the garden hose watering the yard tomorrow, they're going to have a neighbor stop by and say, what in the hell are you doing? Well, Dave Jackson told me to do this. Yeah, well, <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. That's going to going to be interesting just yeah being out there with a garden hose watering the yard but what you say makes sense because it has been so dry for Mm -hmm. so long right and anything especially your evergreens and azaleas and and holly the stuff that uh, still has its leaves uh evergreens and broadleaf evergreens your euonymus those kinds of things need that moisture because they're still transpiring uh, transpiration is still going on. That roots pulling moisture and it's coming out the leaf. It's a, oh. Why does the yard need moisture now, though? Well, your grass. Well, it's dormant. Yeah, but your root system uh, is not exactly. You don't want it to desiccate. I mean, if the, if that's dry and, and uh, you, you still have a limited amount of osmosis going on, you have to keep that root system at least somewhat hydrated. You don't want that those uh, cells in the root system that uh, absorb the moisture to dry out. I mean, be really dry. So that's huh. what you do. Now, okay. it's, uh, there's no point in the, the uh, zoysia lawns because they haven't been pulling moisture out for two or three months. Mm-hmm. And they, they, by nature, provide kind of an insulating layer. They're not going to be as dry and probably don't need to be watered, my thought. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, there aren't that many lawns. If you got a fescue lawn um, and you pl- overseeded this fall, that new young grass probably is going to need a little bit of moisture. Okay. Because I mean, you overseeded, but you haven't. Most folks haven't watered their lawn in three, four weeks. I'm sure. Yeah. Because all their the irrigation systems are turned off, and they've put the hose away, and all that other kind of stuff. Okay, so folks, get out and water your yard tomorrow because the chances of uh, precipitation, 20% shot Sunday, I believe. Yeah, an inch or less of snow, that's not enough moisture to do anything, really. Most of that will evaporate rather than be uh, moved down to the soil level. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't see, did you see any other moisture? uh, No, it's going to be a dry week. Okay, well. Yeah, for all intents and purposes. This would be a great opportunity. Especially today, going to be a gorgeous day. Mm-hmm. We're going to uh, get in a couple, three or four tons of uh, asphalt and uh, patch the holes in our driveway today. We're, we uh, couldn't get a decent bid from uh, any local contractor, so we're going to do it ourselves today. 
the guys have got all the trees planted they needed to this week, and so. Well, there's still your points that is delivered. Well, uh, yeah, delivered or pulled, and the people that are going to uh, get them picked up, they're uh, it's all they're all in boxes on the floor in the garden center. Still plenty of poinsettias, though. Good point. We've got lots of them that are on sale. Buy two, get one free on the six and a half inch. Uh, the ten and any the ten inch and eight inch are we're closing in on being sold out on those. But our six and a half inch are just gorgeous, just gorgeous. Okay. Uh, what we got a question there? Yeah, pertains to our last guest. Oh. I should have been a little more observant. You remember Dwayne Rain? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. Dwayne. Yeah. Is that Dwayne? Uh-huh. He is now in Texas. I know. In Northern Texas. Dwayne, we miss you. Yes, we do. Come on up. Come to an Optimus meeting. We'll have breakfast together. Uh, there's an offer for you, Dwayne. So if you're up over the Christmas holidays, and I don't know whether Dwayne's coming back in town or not. But it said, Jim, you can get a list of the precinct uh, men and women online. The Shawnee County Election Office website has this information. Libby has them all out there for both demos and Republicans. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, I'll tell you, everything's on the Internet anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I need to, I failed because they they forgot to remind me. Remember, we always had uh, uh, the old ladies. Margie Canfield. Mar Canfield would always call you up and remind you you need to. You need to put in your name. Well, uh, she's gone, and uh, she, I didn't get the call. So Annette and I are no longer precinct committee chair and chair chair people. Oh, really? Uh, so I guess I'll need an appointment from who? Who did you say was the new guy? Bob Eckert. Bob Eckert. Yeah. Bob Eckert. I don't know him. Huh? He's the new chairman elect. Yeah. Uh, better look him up and see if he'll appoint us. Yeah, I just got an email from Sharon Meisner yesterday. Did you? And had the list of uh, yeah new Republican elected officials. They're, uh, it's a different group mm -hmm. than was there when I was there, but I, my gosh, that's been 20 years. Yep. Since I headed up the party, it's been a long, long, long time ago. Hey, we need to take a break. Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center, Jim.Cates at CJOnline.com. If you've got a question or a comment, we will be back. Stay tuned. Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs and trees to everything your garden needs. Jackson says just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer, too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. 
Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top-of-the-line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lunor, Robert Mark, L.A. Eyeworks, Bevel Specs, Foydenhaus, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa Frost line. Located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear Unique. Eyewear for life. This is Risa with Lauer Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim. Okay, we're back. Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. Winter right around the corner, but we're one day closer to spring. That's the good news. That's the uh, great news. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So other than watering, folks, Dave Jackson's serious about this. You need to water tomorrow. You know, if it's about freezing, today or tomorrow, today. you can, yeah. yeah. Yeah, get out and water your yard, especially especially any new plantings out there. Yeah. You need to get some moisture in the ground. Right. The trees, if you planted trees. Well, we talk about that. There's still plenty of time to plant trees and shrubs and all that kind of stuff, and we have plenty. Like we have a, I think I mentioned we, about ten days or two weeks ago, we got in a whole semi load of uh, new ball and burlap trees from uh, the mountains of Tennessee, and they are just gorgeous trees. Lots of red maples and sugar maples and those kinds of things. Uh, we needed uh, a significant um, portion of trees for. Uh, the roundabouts at Northwest 46th and Highway 75 that we just completed. And we uh, got those in, got them planted, but uh, to get a good freight rate and get a good price, you go ahead and buy the whole truck load. So anyway, we'll uh, be happy to show you those trees and uh, get them planted. So you can plant trees as long as you can break the ground, as long as the ground isn't frozen. Right. Plant any any time this winter. Pretty much, yeah. When will the ground freeze where you just simply can't plant. Normally, what date would that be? What week of what month? Last year, last year we were done at, uh, uh, we were finished in the first week of December. We could not, we couldn't go any longer. Uh, that was if the ground was frozen to we the were, point yeah, that you just simply right. couldn't plant. Mm-hmm. First of, week of December, it was over. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, two years ago when we were doing the, uh, uh, at the Kansas Air National Guard out there, uh, we had uh, we had an acre and a half of ground to sod, and we uh, finished up the first week of January, and that sod did well, took well, and grew. 
And but at right shortly after that, eighth or ninth or tenth of January, then we were again we were through for the year. It froze up and and I uh, couldn't get back out until uh, oh for about six weeks. So that was a six-week winter, basically for us and for anybody that's going to garden. So you can still lay sod now. I just oh yeah. In January, you're laying sod on frozen ground, though, aren't you? It wasn't frozen. It had actually thawed. Yeah, it had okay. thawed. We no. You can't cut sod on, if it's frozen. Of course, you can't cut sod. It doesn't roll up very well. You know, it yeah. kind of folds yeah. instead yeah. of it. <laughs> folds instead of rolls. But uh, we were cutting sod and, and uh, rolling it out. Um, first week of January. But anyhow, uh, so Kansas, you never can tell. You never can tell. Huh. Now, you don't carry sod over the winter. Well, you? it's out there, sure. If somebody had a spot they wanted to cover up and, and uh, wanted to come and get some, sure. You still have sod. I still have probably 20, 25 yards. If somebody needed, uh, if somebody needed 50 yards today, we could probably get it cut and delivered, you know, really? if they needed it. Huh. I never thought about that, mm-hmm. getting sod in December. Sure. But again, if the ground's not frozen. Right. If I can get my, my sod farm to start up the tractor and get out there and roll it up and put it on a pallet, I'll But I'll if you're laying sod today on 50-degree ground, and for the next week it doesn't get above freezing, that sod's just going to lay there on top of frozen ground, isn't it? Uh, well, the ground has what? to freeze underneath it. But while that's happening, of course, you've got roots getting established. We... Uh, just last week, uh, rolled out 30 yards for the Curtis building over there, where they were having their the Curtis office mm-hmm. building. We did the replanting of the uh, uh, beds and stuff that are in front of that building. So, uh, yeah, we laid 30 yards. Wow. Okay. So we'll. But if you t- need large quantities of sod, call Jackson's first two three two thirty four sixteen. Like to see if I can, yeah, if. See if anybody's home at the sod farm to cut it. Yeah. I mean, their their demand is way low, but if, if there's a reason to have it, you can get it. Okay. You still have to be able to water it then. That, that means, of course, taking in and out your hose and all that kind of stuff. Because you don't want that hose to freeze. Yeah. All right. It's hard to water uh, through a hose that's got full of frozen water. <laughs> but fescue, sod, still still out there, still available. So if you've got some holes... In your yard, folks, now might be a good time to stop by Jackson's and pick up a little sod to fill the holes. Well, at the very least, it keeps you from having to walk in mud when we have the freezing thaws and the the slime in the spring. That stuff will be there and Mm -hmm. covers the the bare spots. And and it's not that expensive. I mean, good grief, it's only 10 yards or more. It's only $3.99 a yard, so it's it's just dirt cheap. Dirt cheap. (laughs) Okay, so sodding is one of the things you can do today. Mm-hmm. Right. If you needed to. All right. What else do we need to be looking at? Because we know cold weather, at least a few days of it's coming next week. And we're going to get a break, it looks like, toward the end of next week to where it might warm up again for a while. But cold weather, it's right around the corner as far as it's going to be here to stay for a while. And right. it's not that far off. What else do we need to be thinking about doing? Well, if you have not done anything else... Yet you could still, if you haven't done so, you can winterize. You can put that uh, all seasons down right now to prevent, uh, to fertilize and to prevent crabgrass next year. You can certainly, if you haven't done so already, you can still plant bulbs. We still uh, uh, sell a significant number of bulbs uh, this time of year because uh, they'll they'll uh, do just fine in the ground. Uh, 
because you're planting them at a, at a pretty good depth and it's going to be a while before that ground freezes. Most bulbs, tulips and daffodils and those kinds of stuff, or tulips four inches, daffodils can be as much as six inches. Narcissus the same way. Those bulbs are deep planted. and, and uh, So those are kinds of things that you can do. Uh, this morning uh, before I came to work, I... Uh, I gathered up the leaf pile that my grandkids had made in the front yard to j- jump in the leaves. Every it's a crisp become a Christmas tr- uh, uh, tradition, Thanksgiving tradition, I should say, for them to go out. We live in the woods. They go out and gather up all the leaves they can find, and they make this f- three to four foot tall pile of leaves in the front yard and uh, and uh, jump in them. Just uh, or they. Uh, the bigger kids will lob the little kids up into the air and they land in it. They just have a great time. But uh, that if you leave them out there, of course, that kills your grass. Last year I didn't get them up because it got so wet and nasty right after Thanksgiving. I just didn't get them up. And, of course, I've got this great big brown patch in the middle of the yard. So this year, uh, this morning, before I came in, I got those leaves up. I had the tractor and the, and the, and the bucket and uh, there were ten big 10 or 12 big buckets full of leaves that they'd gathered and put in the pile that I gathered back up and put in my compost heap out there all right and now I'll overseed in that area and fertilize somebody that's got a mulching well any lawnmower will mulch if you Mm -hmm. go over it often enough are you better off mulching or picking the leaves up mulching mulching? that's a good question K-State's done a research on that as well Mulching your leaves uh, to the extent that if, uh, I mean, within reason, I obviously I can't mulch a four-foot-tall pile of leaves on a on a two. Uh, oh, it's the the yard's only about a thousand square feet because, like I said, we're directly in the middle of the woods. That would be far too many leaves to try to mulch. But in a normal yard, normal situation, you're always ahead to mulch those leaves into the soil. Um, having said that, you also want to add a little extra fertilizer to break down um, the uh, the leaves because they'll they take up nitrates as they break down, so they'll they'll gather a little bit. But it certainly improves your soil, makes a way better environment for grass to grow in. So there you go. It's Mulching rather than raking, right, is preference mm-hmm. preferable mm-hmm. as long as you don't have a situation like you you've got a house in the middle of a forest. Right. But if you've got three or four trees in your yard, uh, your yard basically is covered mm-hmm. with leaves. Yeah, use your use one that leaf deep. Right. Then mulch. Mulch. Absolutely. Absolutely. They. Uh, huh. This was okay. just in the extension. K State Extension Service Center. You need to read your wife's stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what comes out of her department? It was in it was in our weekly email news yeah. about two weeks ago or three weeks ago about a, a study that was done about mulching leaves. How much better it is to mulch them rather than remove them okay. for your yard over the long term. We're mm-hmm. talking long term. Okay, uh, you can do it on an annual basis. Yep. You don't have uh, once every three years is okay. Once every two years better. Once a year better yet. Sure. In other words, you can't overdo it. You can't overdo it as long as it's we're talking reasonable amounts of leaves. Yeah. But you do have to watch now, out. Any for type it. of leaf like we've talked about uh, walnuts. You know, the poison coming off of the walnuts. How about walnut leaves? Same thing apply? Uh, if you mulch those up, is that going to be harmful to the soil? Or is it just the walnut itself that's so harmful? Basically, there's more uh, tannins in the nut than the uh, than the leaf. 
Okay. So it's uh, basically the walnuts uh, leaves are going to be safe. You're always going to have a difficult time growing grass under a walnut tree. That's going to be a challenge always. But uh, as far as, uh, but that's mostly because of the sap from the nuts and stuff as mm-hmm. that tree is being developed, not so much from the leaves. You do have to do, you would want to do a um, pH test occasionally because uh, 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 pin oaks and stuff are around and you're mulching those little nuts as well, then you're going to have an acidic condition develop. Um, it just is an, a natural thing. It seems to be, at least, in my experience. I rode a tilde lawn at, uh, on uh, Munson Street. Um, not a lawn, a garden. Mm-hmm. The other day, and, and just as, uh, as I was leaving, I said, well, I better take a soil sample and see where you're at on your pH, because I noticed that he had pin oaks in the neighbor's yards that the leaves seemed to be gathering in his yard and we were working those have been working those leaves into his garden and, and the pH test came up at 5.5 which is considerably lower than the range for a good garden and so I called him back up and told him he better start get some lime on his yard for uh, in his uh, garden the garden's all he actually cares about and uh, get it done this gentleman's 87 years old and still gardening out there. Oh, that's wonderful. Keeping him young. Uh-huh. It is. Absolutely it is. Yeah. So so there's no leaf that you have to worry about then as far as mulching. Not the leaf, huh? Not right. so much, huh? Fruit trees, walnuts, pin oaks makes no difference. Right. All the same. All the same. One and the same. Right. They'll all work mm-hmm. as just, far as mulching. Just make sure you do a soil sample every now and then. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Hey, what's coming up this weekend? Let's get uh, some of the weekend specials. Ah, the weekend specials. Yes. We have the, the poinsettias, buy two, get one free in the six and a half inch size. Uh, bulbs are half price if you buy $10 or more. Uh, with great savings, great savings. We're trying to clear out that. We've got uh, the, uh, we've still got the Christmas trees. Beautiful Christmas trees from Cartner's Farm. Twenty nine ninety nine starting price. Just gorgeous trees. We'll set it up for you if you'd like, um, and deliver it, set it up, whatever you like, even uh, even decorate it. We've got a uh, an older couple that has us come in and uh, decorate their tree every year because they don't want to do it, don't have time, or well, they have time, but don't want to do it, and that does that. Custom tree decorating in your home. Uh, all kinds of things going on. We just... Uh, the uh, buy one get one free on the cactus, the bottom of the ad special in the Capital mm-hmm. Journal. Buy one get one free on special cactus table of some cactus that we've been growing ourselves. So all kinds of things. What do we got? Let's go to an email. This is from Old Bill. Old Bill. All right. Good morning, Old Bill. I haven't uh, heard from Old Bill in a while. He's a goodie. Okay, his question is: Dig cannas and elephant ears? Question mark. Better. Yeah. What's, what's cannas? Cannas? Those are those uh, uh, big-leafed, colorful blooms that you see. They, uh, they've got some here around the Capitol Journal that have the big, about desk high or uh, even taller. There's five to six foot ones that in the middle of summer have the big bright red or yellow or orange mm-hmm. flowers on. They're grown from, uh, they look like a, uh, an iris rhizome, but they're not hardy here, so you got to dig them. In most winters, if you don't, you're going to have mush. But, yeah, especially ahead of this seven-degree weather coming. If you haven't dug them, you better do it. And, and of course, you know what elephant ears are. Those are 
but they need to be up and out of the ground. And we, after the break, we can talk about how to storm. All right, let's do that. We'll talk about how to storm following the break. Stay tuned, folks. Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs, and trees to everything your garden needs. Jackson says just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers time of the line designer frames with names like Acnea, Barcelona, Lunor, Robert Mark, LA Eyeworks, Bevel Specs, Freudenhaus, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa Frost line. Located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear Unique. Eyewear for life. This is Risa with Lauer Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim. Okay, we're back. Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. If you want to go to Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center, 1933 Lower Silver Lake Road, you are there. Mm-hmm. If you're, uh, well, if you're at the Goodyear plant, Highway 24, you can't hit Jackson's with a rock, but pretty close. Pretty darn close. Pretty doggone close. Just used to be able to see it from there. South of Goodyear, huh? Well, you've got a fire station, kind of blocks the view now. Yeah, and the big. Uh, the, the big warehouse that's there. 
That's yeah. what blocks it. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Hey, let's go back to old Bill's question. He was asking about digging up cannas and elephant ears. Yeah, get them out of the ground today if you possibly can. And uh, the soil's kind of dry. You can uh, shake the uh, soil off of them, put them in a flat, a, a Coors beer flat or something like that, and let them dry. Don't let them freeze in the garage or whatever. Let them dry for a couple of days. And then uh, just wipe the soil off of them. Do not wash. Do not wash. Do not wash. Because that just adds your, uh, it, it uh, empirically um, increases the condition that you can get some rot going. But anyway, then all you have to do then is store them in uh, a cool, dark spot somewhere. I tell people to use a, um, store them in, a, in the, that flat beer box and in some vermiculite or perlite or uh, even dry peat moss. Just uh, don't have them touching, but just store them in that, uh, in that dry media to just keep them, uh, don't let them get damp and uh, keep them dry and dark and cool. And you'll have them again for next year. We also have a... Uh, now next year meaning what? Next when does Old Bill need to plant them? Well, replant. I recommend folks, if they want a longer season, to, to um, plant them in uh, mid-March or April in, in some pots with some good potting soil, some gallon uh, pots, and uh, get them started so that they can set them out uh, first week of May when it's warm, and they'll already be up about a six inches or a foot up, and that way you get to enjoy the season a lot quicker because those will jump up and grow that much quicker. Um, but having said that, uh, if you don't get around to it, then you put them in the ground sometime the first week of May. Uh, the danger of planting them too soon is that that soil in some years stays really cold throughout April, and then they've put those uh, bulbs in the ground, and they will just, if it's cold and wet, they will rot. And uh, then people come back in May and want to know what happened to their stuff. Uh, but it's because they planted it in, Oh, a beautiful, gorgeous late day in March or early April. They think, well, it's time to put those in the ground. Well, it wasn't time. Uh, it might have been time to plant them in a pot in the house, somewhere where they're going to stay warm. But it wasn't time to plant them outdoors. Anyway, that's, okay. that's how you do it. But, of course, those uh, proliferate, so you can be the hero of the garden club if you save them but, and you give them away or... Have a garage sale and sell them extra in the spring. All right. What fun. Okay. Oh, Bill, if that uh, doesn't answer it, jim.cates at cjonline.com. And if you've got a question or a comment, you can email us as well, Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. All right. Have we pretty much run through what we need to do over the next week or so? Pretty much. Um now they, if they wish, I mean, while the weather's good, they could they could start doing some pruning on their trees. Um, they can uh, uh, cut back some of the shrubs if they wish. They want them down, uh, not the spring blooming ones, but the ones like the the uh, summer blooming spireas, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. All of that uh, can be done. Any kind of cleanup you want to do. Most of the time, we leave we leave our uh, the leaves and the kinds of things that have died back in the perennial beds, we just leave them in place and let the uh, let them become part of the mulch until spring. That's when we do the cleanup then uh, to get it cleaned up. It uh, 
by then your leaves and all of that kind of stuff have, have broken down and make great compost. You can just put them over in the compost heap and and, and add to your compost pile. Did you ever get one started, Jim? Did you no. Not? no? No. No. Oh, We've talked no. about it. We've yeah. talked about it. In fact, you can get uh, the freebie still right. at the Shawnee County Extension Office, located at... 1700 Western, Southwest Western, the... Uh, they give you a coupon. You bring it out to our place, and, and we uh, give it to you. They give you the instructions as how to do it. They uh, have us distribute them because they didn't want to be seen to be in competition with private um, a private uh, business. Mm-hmm. So they bring the uh, compost bins out to us, and we give them away. And also uh, give them at least tips, maybe a little bit more instruction than they get when they get through written as to how to get started and what to use and all that kind of thing. So so folks, take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Talking about a freebie. Right. A freebie. and really it's going just to improve your soil quality. And right. It's all good. I mean, right. Let's yeah. don't put that stuff in the landfills. Let's, let's, uh, let's use it. I've been, they've named that, uh, some of my detractors have named that big, huge uh, landfill mountain out there, Mount Jackson and, and, uh, that's up there in northern Shawnee County in my dist in what it was my district, uh, and uh, some people are really off put by that that uh, mountain. They think it's it's uh, out of compliance and all that kind of stuff. It is a massive mm-hmm. massive kind of thing. But the good thing is they're getting methane from it now, or some kind of gas is coming out of it, and uh, and also it it may. Uh, at some point, it may get big enough. We could have a small ski slope over there on the yeah, north, it's north, north yeah. side. <laughs> so it's not all bad. Not all bad. The compost, is it somewhat of an eyesore in your backyard? Does the compost, when you put it in, how does it look? Is it going to be aesthetically appealing to the eye? Uh, well, depends on how you... Uh, it's There's a, a number of ways to do it. I mean, with the... With that uh, black uh, thing around the in the corner of your of your yard, it'd be better to put it uh, probably from your wife's standpoint. Be better to put it behind the garden shed or somewhere where it's not going to catch her eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can certainly put something around it, uh, a nice forsythia or spirea or something that would cover it up so that you wouldn't have to see it. Just make sure you can get in and out of it easily enough. Uh, I mean, it's just a black uh, the color of this. Uh, Notebook here, a black plastic that uh, is a circle about oh three and a half feet in diameter and about three and a half feet tall. Um, it's no, it's certainly less obtrusive than a propane tank if you're uh, out where you need the mm-hmm. propane, but uh, it's it's nothing that's going to add to the looks for sure. But it's not that bad. Not that, not that physically unappealing. Right. Man. Now, if you want to spend some money and, and get the one that's uh, made out of, uh, oh, it's a kit that may, is made out of really good-looking oak wood and, and uh, all of that kind of stuff, you can buy one that's attractive, but you're going to spend a couple hundred dollars for that mm-hmm. sucker. And uh, also, of course, they have those barrel composters that you that uh, you put the compost in and, and let it compost. You spin it about once every two or three or four days, and it makes compost way faster, but it, it's certainly nothing that... Uh, it's going to add to the beauty of your yard, but it speeds your composting by quite a bit. Take advantage of the freebie, folks. Mm-hmm. We are talking about a freebie. 
We need to take a break, our last break of the day. So, again, folks, if you have a question, gem.katesat, cjonline.com. We'll be back. Stay tuned. Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs, and trees to everything your garden needs. Jackson says just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day. Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top of the line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lunor, Robert Mark, LA Eyeworks, Bevel Specs, Foydenhouse, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa Foss line. Located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear Unique. Eyewear for life. This is Risa with Lower Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123. Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim. All right, we're back with Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. Hey, coming up Monday on the show, folks, don't forget, we've got uh, Tim Richard at 8 o'clock, uh, City Hall and Courthouse Issues. 9 o'clock, Bob Beatty. We're going to be talking about 2012 presidential politics. Already, huh? Yes, indeed. And then next Friday, we've got uh, Kim Morchers is coming in. She's going to spend the first hour with us. So. Wow. Yes, indeed. What a treat. Yeah, she is an absolute uh, delight. Mm-hmm. So she's going to be with us next Friday. So, good lineup coming up. Great. Yes, indeed. Yeah. You betcha. And then we'll be on at 10 o'clock next Friday morning. Yep. yep we'll be there. here. 
That's going to be your last show. That's what of the year. Of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it sure is because the twenty fourth is, and the thirty first. They will the offices here will be closed. Yeah, yeah, and you're going to be headed to Hawaii shortly after that. Twenty sixth. Twenty sixth. Twenty sixth to Hawaii. For um, we'll be back on February the thirteenth. So just in time for Annette to do Valentine's flowers. So get in your Valentine's orders right away so she can get that stuff ordered and have it all in line for when she gets here and gets those roses and any other uh, Valentine flowers you wish to send out. She's still, um, we still do floral work. She's an outstanding designer, just outstanding. And uh, uh, usually we uh, do the work for 20 to 25%. 30% less than some of the the floors in town. And uh, so it's a, something she enjoys doing. We don't advertise it much because when she's gone, we don't we don't have another florist on site that uh, has the, her training. So anyway, we and do it. She can do some Christmas uh, floral arrangements as well. Sure. We've got all kinds of wreaths we can dress for you. We have... Um, just beautiful wreaths. These these uh, Fraser fur wreaths are uh, extraordinarily pretty. Uh, or if you prefer, we have uh, we have plenty of uh, artificial wreaths, uh, but you can decorate it to your uh, colors and taste, uh, whatever would work in How your house. How soon do you need to get an order in? Well, um, she can she can do these uh, anytime. I mean, within we can have a wreath ready within an hour of when you uh, ask for it. I mean, oh, okay. Uh, okay. If you call in, we we can do it. Um, typically, she can break away and and put one together. That's uh, and we just have some really cool decorations and stuff. Uh, like I said uh, before, uh, if you need your tree decorated, she can do that as well. Yeah, we've done with all the corporate trees that we have to do, and we're doing some residential trees now. Or um, taking some over, doing them right in place. So, I mean, just keep busy. A uh, lot of talent at, at uh, Jackson's, and that has most of it. <laughs> but so does their staff, and they do really well. And Valentine's Day, February the something or other, I know. Nancy will remind me, I'm sure. Um, 14th, Jim, for crying out. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, yep. So that you do need to get your order in now as far as... No, you don't have to get your order in. I just was being facetious but well for us it's my, it's my last it's you know, almost my last opportunity to do it but yeah they'll have the orders lined up and and uh, everything lined up for Annette to take care of when she when we do get back uh, and get it out what's your biggest seller at Jackson's while you're gone in January uh, what's your staff do in January doesn't seem like they do much of anything to me <laughs> I don't know. We uh, what what's happening in January a lot. We we do uh, sell uh, tropical plants. Become kind of the uh, interest because that's all people can really do most of the time. Uh, and we have a huge tropical plant uh, selection. Uh, the staff is uh, busy planting, planting uh, uh, right, planting up hanging mm-hmm. baskets. That's uh, so that they get nice growth by the time it's time for you to take them home. We are doing. Uh, uh, in the garden center, uh, all of our spring arrivals are coming in, and they're getting them priced and put in the uh, system. Uh, we're talking a lot of stuff, 
a lot of stuff, you know, gar- yard art, garden art, new tools, all that kind of stuff that's uh, so exciting about spring is all the new stuff comes in. Pots uh, will be arriving, the pottery, the seed mm-hmm. uh, is all will all come in. Um, and, of course, just um, a whole lot of, um, oh, uh, statuary and uh, fountains and those kinds of things is also comes in. Keeps them busy. Uh, it just takes a little bit to get all that stuff together and priced and displayed. So a lot of the work in January is behind the back of the house, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Except that, of course, with our little spot in the garden center, they do it right square in the middle of the garden center so you can see it as it's being unwrapped and unpacked. If you want to come in and watch, we'll put you to work. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's nice for folks to uh, come in and, and just, it still smells like spring in the greenhouse if you come in and, and if you're having the blahs, it just will lift you right up uh, to see the, we keep fountains running in there and so you step in the greenhouse and you see you hear the water running, and you hear the, you see the uh, plants, and the, there's a number of plants that are in bloom at that time. We'll have geraniums blooming, uh, because we'll be trying to, we'll be getting stuff ready for the flower lawn and garden show on February the 18th, 19th, and 20th, or 19th, 20th, and 21st. Uh, it's, we'll be uh, getting things ready for that. So it'll be because uh, we have that huge booth then at the garden show. Just a massive display. How many people will you have by your booth at your lawn and garden show? About 12,500 last year, maybe 13,000 people, <coughs> three days. That's pretty good for a little show. Wow. Yeah. So it's a, uh, and we're right there at the front door. You can't miss us. I mean, we um, take that spot, so the, and we, we take pride in making it pop for for people, just to make that displays yeah. we put all everything into it we possibly can but 12 13,000 people <laughs> will be by yeah. wow it's a good show uh, draw for him from how many counties oh we'll see people it's pretty much all northeast county we see people from brown county donovan jackson jefferson um, really and Ode- donovan yeah far up as donovan uh-huh. really and uh, Osage, of course, and uh, a few people over from Franklin County, Douglas County, of course. Uh-huh. Potawatomi. <sighs> Good night. Um, not so many from Riley County that I that I know, but you know it's 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 a regional show. Yeah. Because there isn't. Uh, Lawrence has discontinued theirs, and uh, Kansas City shows uh, are not what they used to be. Neither is the Wichita show, for that matter, but. Um, but ours continues to be really so. Topeka good. has one of the better shows. Yes. Who actually puts it together? Leland Hefner is our show show coordinator, and uh, they've been doing it since it started. Or his father started it, of course, uh, some forty years ago, nearly, and uh, not quite forty years. But Leland's continued it so far, even though their Hefners are no longer in business. So he's responsible for allocation of booth space, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I can give you a cell phone number if you need a booth. Yeah. Uh, people call me wanting to know how to get in it, the booth, and I get a booth in the parade, in the program, and, and uh, 
Uh, Dave McAfee called me the other day. He'll be there, the furniture restoration guy out uh, your way on 57th Street. Okay, is he still out south? I thought he had moved. North. Did he move? I was thinking he was he north could. of the river now. He could be. Anyway, he called yeah. me. Uh, Going to be there again. He's been he's been missing it the last couple of years, but he's, it's a good show for him, and he enjoys being there, so he'll be back this year. Okay. Well, I could be wrong, but I thought McAfee's shut down their... I haven't been out to McAfee's. It's been five, six, seven years. Me either. He did but, a. Uh, he re, he restored a. Hey, uh, um, big piece for me. Uh, dresser drawers. Yeah. Well, he did some work for us. My gosh, that's been seven, eight years. But I thought that I read or heard. You could be right, and I didn't even pay attention when I was driving by uh, when we were going to the South Store over there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I think he's north, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, I am, you know. <laughs> Real quick. Not as often uh, as I am. A couple of the key specials at Jackson's this weekend are trees and shrubs are still on sale if you want to plant them. They're thirty-three to fifty percent off, depending on how many you get. So are fruit trees, and of course, point set is buy two get one free. Uh, bulbs fifty percent off if you buy ten dollars or more. That's the biggest bargain, and. Uh, uh, cactus, buy one, get one free on the certain, t- uh, one table. They're four ninety nine, so you get two for four ninety nine. dollars really bargain on those. And, um, what else? We, uh, if you need your yard raked or cleaned up, my staff can do that too. I mean, we'll come out and take care of you. Okay. The way we want. 1933 Lower Silver Lake Road, and folks, anytime you have a question, if it pertains to your lawn, your garden, you can always call Jackson's at 232 3416. Dave, we will see you next Friday. Probably so. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday morning. I'm Jim Keats.